0: all sense of reality and enter another world remember do not underestimate the power of playstation
1: beyond 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 what's up everybody welcome to podcast beyond episode 356 i am one of your hosts greg miller alongside he only does everything call moriarty hello hello how are you uh good uh, you, you haven't shaved yet no, we're letting don't, it grow in a little t- bit. Eh? Don't touch. I didn't. I got don't, close oh. to it. I got. I'm really. Cl- it's a game. How close can we get without doing it? Oh, yeah. This is why you watch the video version of. Pa- in the ever rotating third chair, back from the dead, the one and only Dark Knight of News, Andrew Golfarb. Hey, hey, you didn't shave either. I didn't. You did not uh, touch mine. I don't want to touch yours. I don't want to touch anyone.
2: My game's very different. It's please touch my face. <laughs> anyone touch my face? Golfarb.
1: Hey, it's been a long time since you were on the show.
2: Yeah, I know. I can't swear now; it's gonna be really hard. Yeah, it's, I'm, a, I'm gonna be curser. the one who messes this I'll, up like I'll ten times.
1: I'll start the curse list in the back. Oh, do you, just keep, oh, you keep? a timestamp? Well, yeah. The time. Then I gotta go edit it out. Yeah, it's. You know, I'm gonna make your life real hard. Please okay. do. No, then the show I'll just be careful, won't be go up. Be it's a busy day. Um, when was the last show you were on E3? When we I was Shui. on
2: for the yeah, Shuhei mm-hmm. one. My voice is all terrible and messed up, and you were going through puberty. Yeah, I was. It's a very exciting time in my life, actually. Hair where there was no hair before. Actually, this beard just grew in that day.
1: Um. What else has been going on? Still at the uh, Gearbox.
2: Yeah, still at Gearbox. Uh, traveling a bunch. Uh, I'm I'm here all week visiting the lovely San Francisco. It's like 55 degrees cooler than it was in Texas when I left. Um, and yeah, just doing Gearboxy stuff. I finally Battleborns announced, so I can finally put up blog posts and all the stuff I've been working on, which is kind of exciting.
1: Now that's the one that's the sequel to the Dark Souls.
2: Yes, exactly. This is the one that uh, oh, From Bloodborne. Software Bloodborne. is doing. Yeah. Sorry, Bloodborne. And then uh, this is also the the one that Bethesda is doing. No, give him a rundown. <laughs> tell, <laughs> us about, tell us about your game. Uh, Battleborn is a uh, f- uh, five-player campaign, kind of almost Borderline-style thing, but then there's also multiplayer modes. One of them is called Incursion, which is basically like a MOBA, and then okay. there's... Um, Kind of more traditional multiplayer modes, too. There's a bunch coming in September. So pr- pretty much right after PAX, we'll have a bunch of actual gameplay. Because um, like, the weird thing is, like, poor Lindy keeps doing all these interviews about how, like, funny the game is and stuff. But, like, there hasn't actually been gameplay footage out there. So. Let me set up yeah. a scene for you and <laughs> I'll tell you how soon funny this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that's coming, that's I promise. But, yeah, that and then uh, pre-sequel. I just got back in Gamescom doing pre-sequel stuff. Finally, we've Oh! Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's my, my how did you go over? I think well. I think if people are like, really? Because it's so weird. But yeah, uh, yeah we, we have fun with it. It's, that game's just goofy and fun. It's Borderlands. Goofy and fun. Yeah. Like that, Podcast the, Beyond. Like Podcast Beyond. That was the inspiration for the goofy and fun parts. They were like, we have to make it like, as much like Podcast Beyond. As <laughs> Randy's like tearing up design docs. He's like, make it like Beyond. Pictures of gold the farm.
1: That's what we need. Ladies and gentlemen, Podcast Beyond is the internet's number one PlayStation podcast. to pokes every week on IGN.com as an MP3 on Tuesdays every week on IGN.com, YouTube.com, slash IGN, and the IGN PlayStation 4 app as a video on Wednesdays. We is it actually going company. up consistently now? Yes. Wow. We got it down to a science. Wow. Where I basically tell everyone to f*** off. Nailed you know, it. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> uh, and then actually edit the video and get it up in a process. Yeah, so Greg not, does it, it himself. It, it only fails <laughs> nine out of Making more work for four it. times.
2: You know, somebody's got to do it. My favorite part is that you just write... The, the curse word, word. Yeah. So and then it ends up being a list what I'm of looking. curse words. Then I know yeah. what I'm looking for. Sure, sure. It helps me out in the sense, end when sense. I'm
1: in there with my earbuds jamming out. Because you wouldn't
2: notice it otherwise.
1: Speaking of which, we're supposed to shoot. We were. I know there was an, a thread about this. Are we not shooting that video today? Uh, I guess not, no. Okay. I okay. haven't heard back from it. What, so, back back about it? No. Yep. <laughs> What's up for Number four, mittens. Let's begin the show with what is and forever will be. The Roper Report.
3: (laughs) Time for some (laughs) news. There are seven items on the list. A Baker's Dozen. Yep. And uh, (sighs) it's a slow week uh, because uh, we're in kind of post Gamescom now.
1: Yeah, slow
2: burn. Pre TGS. I was going to say Lucky Number Slevin, which would have been a really weird reference to that that Josh Hartnett movie. I remember that, man. I talked to him at Comic Con. Did you? Yeah, he was on the show. That title bothers me. It always did. Yeah. I think his name was Slevin. Yeah, but it's just.
1: Secret interview? (laughs)
2: I, <laughs> did I say, I said, how what was I don't remember. It was, it was always five, five seconds, seconds He was really interesting. I'm very tired. I got back from Germany. Here come the excuses. A little while ago. Did what time have, zone did I Did you have some uh, beer? I had a lot of beer. Um, I had some sausages had with breakfast. So I ordered oh, yeah. the the bread, selection of bread in my hotel from room service and it would just come with a bunch of sausage. Oh, That's awesome. Oh, man. Yeah. What a
3: world of love. You know,
2: eat in Germany. The hotel we were in like last it. year, that Marriott, has the best breakfast I've ever had. Um, yeah, it's, it's easy. Oh, you there. stayed at that place again? No, I stayed at the Reds and Blue. Oh, that's where Sony yeah. usually is. is yeah, the they were there this year. Yeah. I saw, like, it was actually really funny. I saw Shuhei and Adam Boys and now John Drake and all these people, like, walking in, like, a perfect triangle and, like, their matching suits. It <laughs> was, so, like, slow motion
3: and songs Yeah, playing? just, like,
2: cool music playing. Wow. There. Oh, they stay there, too. Because I, I was yeah. thinking, they usually just
3: have their... Uh, I was referring more to like they just rent the out floor. all of the floor yeah. and then they, they just show off their games. There. Yeah, that That's where... why Gamescom's not stressful for me because I cover PlayStation yep. and I just go to that hotel for three days and everyone else has to go to the show floor. Yeah, like a bunch of chill on Earth.
2: Well, this year I was in the business center the whole time for for Borderlands, which is really nice. It's a nice shirt. That's what I was thinking. Thanks. It is a nice sure. shirt. It's, it's, it, br- it brings out the colors in your it's face. It's
1: got like, a, is it new or is it old? Because it's got a texture. It's got of, a little <laughs> bit of both. Going it's got on. a it texture it? of it's like
3: it's like
2: you know something yeah, that's been worn in. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's you should new. roll up the sleeves though. I, 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 your, I will,
3: but I'm I'm, I'm comfortable right now with the temperature, so I didn't want to. I like you know. the fact that we hang out
1: enough that I know when you get new
3: shirts. I know it's
2: a little because they're
3: all just a little bit different. they're all in the same vein, collar shirt or something. They're to another country. Yeah, are you are you
2: doing collared shirt? every day now
3: no i mean i have i so i went through my closet uh this is a, an aside welcome to podcast beyond we just uh, <laughs> we, i was gonna say we almost made it to number one on the
1: road report. we went on about talking about
3: pretzels it's and all john's fault man this, yeah. seven. this weekend i finally went through my closet and like threw out a bunch of clothes yeah and mm-hmm. so i've whittled you it threw down out, why didn't you? well like, you donate yeah okay uh and i so i whittled it down to like 15 button downs like eight polo shirts six or seven pairs of jeans a couple suits wow wow uh you know, et cetera and so and on. And so And then I got and I, I have literally over a hundred like over hundred and fifty t shirts, probably yeah. In my jersey. Yeah. And I got rid of like four or five of them. I wore one for you, one that I used to wear in college. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I have like this old Astros shirt from the seventies with like the old you know, the orange with the old logo that they used to wear in Houston and and uh I, it was like super tight on me even in college and I put it on and it's like just He almost could get away with it. It's ridiculous. But it's one of those things where like
1: the shirt's so tight on his belly button that you see like the gap spread. <laughs> and, like there. you see the index. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Great. You
3: see what he ate for lunch like <laughs> Uh, number one, for the seventh month in a row, as of July, PlayStation 4 was the best-selling console in the United States. This news comes on the back of word from Gamescom that PS4 has surpassed over 10 million PS4s sold to consumers, which makes it the fastest-selling console of all time to date. Indeed, if you combine PS3's first nine months on the market with Xbox 360s, PS4 and Xbox One are outselling their predecessors by a combined 80%, the, huh? which is huge. The Last so of crazy. Us, The Last of Us was the best-selling game in the U.S. in July. Other Playstations saw and it's 2014, everyone. Uh, So that's pretty interesting. Other PlayStation software also charted in the top 10, including Minecraft on PS3 at number 2, FIFA 14 for PS4 and PS3, and Vita at number 3, Watch Dogs for PS4 and PS3 at 4, Call of Duty Ghosts for PS4 and PS3 at 6, Grand Theft Auto 5 for PS3 at 7, Sniper Elite 3 for PS4 and PS3 at 8, NBA 2K14 for PS3 and PS4 uh, at 9, and LEGO Marvel Super Heroes for PS3, PS4, and Vita at uh, number 10. ps uh, beta version is the one that's really selling Yeah, Definitely. PS4 software sales accounted for more than half of next-gen game sales for the month, and PS3 and PS4 hardware sales outstripped combined Xbox One and Xbox 360
2: hardware sales. God, that's so crazy. 10 Seems million like, is so high. I know. Seems like, you know...
1: Borderlands, the pre-sequel, should probably come to that platform, right? Because <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> I
4: don't want to put pro- the install base is so big. <laughs> no, I don't want to turn
3: it back on and plug it back in. just uh, some interesting notes. So, ten million plus PS4s puts it ahead of Vita. Uh, it also puts it in the realm of uh, Dreamcast. Uh, we're just like, and Saturn. So we're just like, we're oh. like that, those are the names Saturn, you want associated I with your sales. Like, I think PlayStation it passed,
1: 4, the new Dreamcast, <laughs> and or Saturn. I think it
3: passed Saturn and is on its way to getting to Dreamcast numbers, which is and it did that in nine months. In yeah, I was going to say less than a year.
2: That's so crazy. I mean, I don't think we expected half of that by now. I think uh, not that I ever bought into the console gaming is dead thing or whatever, but man, like, that number, people should really understand how high that number is, keeping in mind that, like, for the lifetime for the whatever seven years eight years that the other ones are on the market it was what 70 80 million I think mm-hmm. respectively so like 10 million is a huge I mean obviously the momentum slows down eventually but that is a huge start that is yeah. uh, gigantic for the first year what's interesting
3: is that it hasn't slowed it's slowed down but it hasn't slowed down a lot yet and it's been doing this with people complaining with PS4 that it has no game so imagine when uh, which is something I disagree with but imagine when Uncharted comes out or yeah. uh, you know Bloodborne or or, or know, God of War eventually or right exactly yeah. like I, you know when Gran B- Turismo
2: B- like whatever it is like those things exactly. that actually move units. Yeah,
3: exactly. I think it bodes well for the future of PlayStation. And it's only
2: had one Christmas.
3: Yeah, I mean, and it was right. And at it launch. was, and it was, and it was supply constrained. Yeah. So yeah, it's everything's everything's looking good, Greg. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: exciting right now to finally be using my PlayStation 4 I feel on a daily basis. You know what I mean? I think Rogue Legacy was the first one where I was like, all right, now I'm playing this. and this game, I'm hooked. on I want to not. I can't stop. Dude, playing the crossplay
2: right. is so easy in it. Right. It's exactly. like the most convenient. That's the, that's uh, why doesn't every game do it that way? And I now, think a lot
1: of
3: them are now doing it that way. And now Diablo, oh. and
2: then <laughs> so, Minecraft. So the answer is they are. Uh, yeah, Minecraft will be big. I can finally start pushing the PS3 away. Yeah. Don't do it uh, yet. Persona I know. Persona. I know. I Persona 5, Borderlands th- th- Pre-Sequel, not, Assassin's Creed don't Rogue.
3: Your, I'm not don't putting throw- it in the shredder, everybody. <laughs> don't throw your PS3 out, Greg. Did you, you try to throw video. Assassin's
1: Creed in there?
3: Assassin's Creed Rogue. I'm not going back for Assassin's Creed Rogue. Uh-huh. Sorry. It's kind of a brilliant move, though, isn't it? Because people that are really into Assassin's Creed lore that have both consoles will play both games. Exactly. So it is kind of it is kind of Dude, brilliant rope. that it's not just a, a down uh I, version of... Some people yep. have
1: written in about this, but I have yet to meet a person in the flesh who cares about the Assassin's Creed lore. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, and people tweet me like, all the time at about At this that. point, it's just like, whatever. Can I just go do stuff and unlock stuff, right? You know, yeah, okay. Stone <laughs> now I was going to say, Stone <laughs> is the next one,
2: um, right? No, I think... Uh, you know, look, like, I don't know exactly what Black Flag did, but it did quite well. So Yeah, I mean, yeah no, there, no, there the are games people, are great. I
1: love playing the games, a, don't
2: get me wrong. I mean, the the overall lore about, like, the plants exploding, all the crazy shit, maybe not. Yeah. But as far as, like, the story of the Kenways and stuff like that, like, the basic level, like, the, the shallowest level of the lore, I think there are people who care. Especially because they said this, like, concludes the Kenway saga. Yeah, they, keep, they in. keep
1: shoving that down our throats. But <laughs> seriously, spoilers for Assassin's Creed, whatever. Like, when I was as Ezio and I get in there and it's like, oh, yeah, the... the these people are space <laughs> gods that came, and I you, I watched the videos yeah. of Adam and Eve running, and they have the piece of Eden, and it's like, what? And then that's it, and it goes, Desmond? And he, and he, Who's Desmond? What's happening? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, that's cool. And then I played all the rest after that and never beat them, never, never bothered to get to the end to be, feel like, what happened?
2: Assassin's Creed 3 is when my brain just broke. The ending of that game, I was like, I... Don't, I am too stupid to understand what is <laughs> happening in this game. I couldn't even get to the end of that game. I just started
3: screaming at my TV and then never played it again. You make it out of the theater when you're crawling up oh, people's like, That was the worst, wasn't it? No yeah. one sees this man climbing <laughs> on their heads. It's like yeah. ridiculous. But since we're on the topic of Assassin's Creed, I want to bring up something real quick. Assassin's Creed was one of those series that for a long time I said I didn't I didn't like and I don't like those games. Right? But you kept getting platinums in anyway? Well, so this was the point, actually. So I played, uh, I think, a, back in the day like a little bit of AC I didn't like, and then AC 2 I played um, and I was like I don't like this game at all, right? Um, and people gave me, you know, a lot of crap for that because they, you know, were like you didn't see enough of it. You didn't play enough. Of it. I'm going somewhere with this very it's very essential. Uh, sorry. Very, very I know exactly where I bet
2: I can predict where you're going. Can uh, I write it in a sealed envelope? I'm so
3: too. what I ended up doing with Assassin's Creed 2 II before 3 came out was I actually went and played it again and I still hated it. Uh, but I platinumed it just to prove that I there's no way I could have possibly seen or done more in this game. I don't like it, but here's my platinum trophy. Mm-hmm. So you can't Ever say that
2: I didn't play it enough? Give it a shot. And as a side note, that's a testament to how much you love American history because you were so excited for AC3 just based on its setting and yep. like the dumb videos we were doing that, like, you were like, okay, now I'm going to go back to AC2, which I yeah. absolutely hated. And you complained about it the whole time. Yeah, I
3: hated the whole, I hated that every minute of it. <laughs> uh, and I played like Prototype 2 right after it. So it was just a really bad time in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> dark point. But uh, so I, I, Greg and I went to Sony last week and we played Bloodborne. Aww. And uh, I really like Bloodborne. And I think it, it's it got, like, that kind of little little tinge of speed that I've wanted in Dark Souls and Demon Souls. It's got a little bit of arcadiness to it. It's not Ninja Gaiden by, or God of War, but it's just a step in that direction. It's still very much Dark Souls or it's Demon's Souls. It's also set Souls. in a village. It's exactly. It's set in a village. It's a setting I, M. M. I, M. I, I, I,
1: I care more about. Right. It, I'm already more excited about right. it than I
3: was the Souls. Because you thought it was the M. So... No, no, God damn it! So I did, you know. So when I when I saw Bloodborne at E3 with Miyazaki, I wrote about how like I'm a Dark Souls kind of naysayer, and this game is kind of making me a believer. And then when I went hands on with it, I'm like, I actually really like this game. I can understand it. I feel like I'm bad at it. There, you know, everyone Sony was laughing at me when I was playing. Okay. And uh, so what I've decided to do, I'm off tomorrow. and I'm off next Wednesday because I have some comp time. Uh, I'm going to play Dark Souls, and I wanted mm. everyone to. I played Dark Souls for a few hours when it came out, and I didn't like it. There not Demon one, Souls, Dark Souls. Not Demon Souls, Dark okay. Souls, right? Uh, I'll play Demon Souls maybe, but everyone, a lot of people suggest I go to Dark Souls. So I'm, I'm gonna. Dark just, Souls one, right? Dark Souls one, okay. Not and, Dark Souls two, not or Dark Souls again, no. okay. And not the Dark Souls two DLC, okay. and not Soul Sacrifice, Dark Soul, not Soul Sacrifice. <laughs> okay. okay. No, but Dark, and not Soul Sacrifice Delta, okay. I'm uh, I think I'm clear. But, are we
1: talking about Dark Sector?
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just want to let everyone out there know that I'm going to do, you know, keep an open mind about Dark Souls and go back to it. Because what a lot of people are telling me, and have been telling me for a long time, whether it's Casey Lynch, whether it's some other of our friends, readers, etc. And so on people at Sony, people from... NewsHound, Jim Riley. Newton, Jim Riley. Is that this Brian game Albert. is right up my alley. And, and a lot of people are actually frustrated that I don't like it. Like, it actually bothers <laughs> them. And that maybe I just didn't give it enough time. So, uh, I'm going to sit on the couch tomorrow and, and play through, you know, as much as dark, you know, not very much of it, but, you know, for a few hours of Dark Souls tomorrow and then the, the following Wednesday and kind of get more, to, you know, more into it. And I'll, I'll report back, uh, you know, keep an open mind about it. But the last time this happened, when I did it with Assassin's Creed 2, it didn't turn out very well. But I hope it turns out better this time. You want to be proven wrong. I, I do want yeah. to be proven wrong because this is actually a game, it's like an albatross for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like a, a noose around my neck all the mm-hmm. time.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm going to say if you like Rogue Legacy and if you end up liking Dark Souls, there's a, there's a nice happy medium called Spelunky that you might also mm-hmm. enjoy. You got mm-hmm. that loop. Yeah, we well, already that loop said of death. sucks. We all agree Spelunky sucks. Mm-hmm. Rogue, Rogue mm-hmm. Legacy came
1: out and showed you how when to When it be comes a to PS4, Spelunky, a better be Spelunky. Rogue Legacy is incredible. Colin. Yes. You bring up the fact that this angered a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You anger a lot of people on this show. Frustrate a lot of people on this show because they love you so much. Oh, well. People like Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Matt from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Matt writes in and says, hello, Greg Colin, in the ever-rotating third chair. Beyond? Beyond. It seems every week. You, got, you don't say beyond anymore? Oh, I'll say beyond. Well, is it wasn't how, addressed that, directly Is that how
3: we raised you? Beyond. Is
1: that beyond. how we raised you? you <laughs>
2: you're no son of mine I'm just gonna yell pre-order Borderlands the pre-sequel every time
1: it seems every week we hear about just how much Colin hates playing games with other people I'm sure it's been discussed but I guess I've just missed the explanation of why with destiny looming my co-op fire is burning bright even the thought of cranking up the last gen console for Borderlands pre-sequel has me excited because I (laughs) love co-op gaming so much (laughs) it's a tugboat (laughs) playing games by myself has it's perks but playing games alongside my friends is just the best I completely understand that everyone is entitled to prefer his or her gaming styles, but I just wanted to know if there was more to it. Did Colin have a bad online experience? I know that I've had plenty of online <laughs> multiplayer sessions that ended abruptly because of horrible connect- comments being made in the lobby before the game even started. I get it. For that reason alone, I usually classify co-op play entirely different beast than multiplayer. Why don't you like playing with your friends? He understands
3: something happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love that this is like a really dark story. Yeah, it's no, nothing, nothing happened at all. It, it goes back to when I was you know, a kid even. What you play Contra or something like that, right? With other people, or you'd even do like the hand the controller back and forth like you would have to do in, sure. in, or like take turns like in Mario or whatever. I just never enjoyed that. I don't play games to like bond with other people. I I, I don't want to play games with other people. I don't want to go at their pace. I want to go at my pace. Sometimes that's quicker. Sometimes that's slower. I've had good experiences online. I think The Last of Us is a great example of a you know uh, you know a game where I had a lot of great experiences. Uh, do the pe- things people say bother me no because they just mute everyone when I go into online games. I don't talk to anyone. Like I mute. That's the first thing I do when I like go into games. I just mute everyone. Like everyone's thing- muted. It's done. So that, that's never that's never like a thing. So it's just not what gets me excited about playing games. That's kind of where I stand on that. I understand that some people are different. Destiny doesn't speak to me at all. I have no interest in Destiny whatsoever, uh, and I won't be playing it. I'm sure, but. That's why I was so eager for uh, that Ubisoft game, The Division, to have single player because I think that game looks awesome. I think Destiny looks fine, but I don't think Destiny looks like a game changing kind of thing. Uh, I think, you know, The Division looks friggin' rad, you know, and sounds rad. And so I was desperate to be able to play it by myself, and I think you can. So that's just me. It's the same thing with Borderlands. When I played Borderlands and Borderlands 2, I played it by myself. When I play Soul Sacrifice, I play it by myself. When I
2: play these games that might be designed for other people, I play it for, by myself. That's just the way it is. I think it's also important to understand that it's not like just games. Like, you just like being alone in general. Yes, I do. Like, I mean, this also applies to drinking and everything else. Like, I think you... Yeah, I like to drink alone. <laughs> yeah. Not that you're an alcoholic, but no, I, I think in general, it's like you, you know, you, you have friends and you see them when you want to, but there's certain things you like to do alone.
1: Sure. The thing about co-op gaming for me is I like it when it's... Easy and it's fun, and you're all doing on the same page. But when you get off page, like I'm playing Diablo with Christine, right? And we're having a great time. And it's, I don't mind it when, like, you know, like for when you're playing local couch co op Diablo, you hit and go into your inventory, everything stops for both players, obviously. Whereas online, you could keep playing. But like, I was like the other day, I'm like, are you into the story? Can we listen to a podcast? It's like, no, I'm enjoying the story. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, I mean, like, there's that just difference. Like, when you're by yourself, the story of Diablo, yeah, when you're, well, there's that story there. When when you're, (laughs) when you're going, well, you know, it's because it's all the same thing, usually it turns me off this fantasy of these like, and the <laughs> angels and the demons have come to earth in this of course old school land where nobody's got a cell phone
2: Stupid I, ass I love the fantasy. idea of Simon like in tears being so moved by this story and, and I was like, like what and whatever and you kind of listen to this American life <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly in one ear
1: but that's the thing, right? Like Last of Us is a great example like of a game that I don't think would work co-op because I want to go explore the environments and go yep. to every nook and cranny and not feel
3: I like I'm falling somebody back. I hope Fallout never
2: has co-op because that's yep. the kind of game I'm oh, so God. slow. I'm so scared
3: of it. That's what I'm yeah. scared of.
2: See, I don't want people to get the impression that this needs to be in every game. But the, it, I think you're going to see fewer, my guess would be you'll see fewer single-player games because it's going to be that kind of the division and Titanfall and all these things where it's, like, connected. And, like, even Watch Dogs, which is a single-player game, like, you're always connected to other players and they can invade your game and all that stuff. Like I, I think. Because more and more people have online and because the online capabilities and sharing and all that stuff are growing, I would imagine you'll see fewer, like, core single-player Fallout 3-style experiences.
3: Yeah, and that's a a shame. You know, and I want to say real quick, I think you're right that it's just who I am. You know, my my dad visited a few weeks ago. We were talking about it. My dad really – I'm very much my father's son and – he likes to be alone too like like I know when he visits like it, it, it's funny because he's the same way I am when I visit people where he like doesn't he'll stay at a hotel and he'll hang out with you during days not in any rush to like get in touch with you and when he gets up in the morning he like we have lunch dinner hang out and he's like alright I'm going you know like he needs like to be he, he, like you know he wants to go read or well, hang out by himself yeah exactly and I like that too so like gaming is my me time if I can synthesize the me time with the gaming that's great mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do when I play a video game is play it with another person and it's not to say that there's like games that I haven't enjoyed with other people we played all stars a lot when it came out back in the day you still have GoldenEye and Smash and Street Fighter and stuff like that but those days are kind of behind me like I don't want to play games with other people so you know more power to you if you do number two <laughs> was there more of that question was
1: that was no, it you nailed it this is how the show works right. sorry you too busy I'm, so sorry. I'm new here I don't even remember <laughs> anymore <laughs>
3: In a conversation with Eurogamer, Sony Shuhei Yoshida, a friend of Podcast Beyond, remarked that he wasn't aware of the exclusivity deal Microsoft had signed with Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics to secure Rise of the Tomb Raider for Xbox One and Xbox 360. While word has since leaked that Rise of the Tomb Raider is likely a timed exclusive for Xbox consoles, and will come to other platforms later, I think. We don't really know that yet. Yoshida admitted that he, quote, hopes the game will come eventually to PS4, end quote, but notes that it's not up to him and that he has no further information. Uh, so I um, thought it was interesting that they didn't really even know. He said maybe his third party team knew, but they
2: never told him. So the quote I really liked in there was he was like, if you look at how many PS4s are out there and you think about it, like the amount of sales they're losing by not being in PS4 surely must have been made up for by something else, which obviously is the case. Like you would imagine Money. that if it's really never going to come to PlayStation platforms, if this is going to be like console exclusive and it'll come to PC and Xbox or whatever, like that. That is, the amount Microsoft would have to make up in potential lost sales for Square is
4: huge.
2: So I, I can't imagine it never... I think you'll see, like, whatever the definitive Game edition... Game of the year, definitive yeah, edition. I, I would imagine that'll be on PlayStation, if not earlier. I can even see it being as early as Q1 2016, and Microsoft just gets that holiday window. Because Christmas is huge. And, and, like, as of right now, like, I think Microsoft is very carefully setting it itself up for this holiday season, where they have a FIFA bundle in Europe, a Madden bundle in the U.S. They have a Sunset Overdrive bundle, like... All of that stuff is time for fall. They want this fall to be like the fall where you know they kind of catch up on install based stuff. While Sony has put a lot of stuff into Q1, you know the order isn't coming this fall. There's still drive club, but like a lot of stuff will be early next year for them. Yeah. Um, so I think like it, it's smart for Microsoft to position itself for hey, let's have a big holiday, and maybe they're they're beginning to set the same thing for next year. So I can even see it being a three month window just to get that Christmas shot. But
3: sure, there's a few interesting notes that I didn't think about. Some people have been talking about this, and it's interesting. Number one, this deal if Tomb Raider comes out fall of 2015 benefits Microsoft and Square in the in the way that it would go up against Uncharted on PS4 and get slaughtered so like if you like they would come out the same month probably and no one's going to buy Tomb Raider yeah. like on PS4 at that point so it actually makes more sense maybe for Sony 2 to say like okay bring it out next year Uncharted will have already sold millions of copies by that point and people will have, will want their fill of action adventure again. And so they'll go buy Tomb Raider a year later on PS3 or PS4. Mm-hmm. So that kind of makes sense. Like that, in a backwards way, ironically benefits Sony, I think, because it gets Tomb Raider out of the way of Uncharted. And Microsoft has admitted in interviews that, you know, they don't have an Uncharted and they want an Uncharted. And Tomb Raider is their best bet for that right now, I guess. And that they, you know, there's a, uh, some interesting interviews with uh, uh, Phil Spencer about. Uh, you know, how they've tried and, you know, they want Uncharted. They admit, like, Uncharted is a game we don't have. We don't have a game of that caliber. You I know? And, love and how just, candid he is, yeah, by the way. It, like, it, his interviews are awesome. It is. It is it is refreshing. He's a great yeah. lead for Xbox, and I think it's going to bring Xbox back. Um, not that they've been very down. Uh, yeah. But the one thing I wanted to bring up, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, is, you know, and I know our friend Jim Sterling has talked about this a little bit and some other people, is just the word exclusive and what that means. And I kind of feel like, you know... I feel like Microsoft has really bastardized that word um, with, the, with with Tomb Raider. I don't really feel like Sony and Nintendo do that. Uh, they. If we, want, we don't want to get frustrated about exclusive DLC and d- exclusive day one content or extra whatever, that's totally fine. But I do think that those two companies speak plainly about what is exclusive and what isn't. And I think you can go back and watch Gamescom, then the press conference when Sony, when Jim Ryan was on on stage and he was like, "These eight games are coming first to PlayStation." Like it was very clear. Like they're not exclusive to PlayStation for six months. Blah, blah blah blah. Like they don't use that kind of terminology because it confuses gamers. Um, and that kind of stuff frustrates me because when that. When they were like Tomb Raider exclusively on Xbox in 2015, it's like, come on, guys! You know, the like, wording was it, it so, like, yeah. like, no, it's not. You know, it's ex- it's it's exclusive on your consoles for that holiday season. So maybe literally what you're saying is true, but you know, people aren't going to interpret like that. And why do you put yourself in that kind of position? I think Nintendo they, wouldn't say like, you know, we know when Nintendo has an exclusive, it's an exclusive, <laughs> and Sony Studios make exclusives. You know, so we don't have to worry about that kind of terminology.
2: I think they're obfuscating it on purpose. Like, I think they want people to associate that brand with Xbox for better or worse. And I think, um, I mean, you see it now with Destiny, right? Like, most people are talking about Destiny as a PS4 game, even though it's going to be on not only Xbox One, but also Xbox 360. Like, and I think um, they want that. They want it to be like, oh, when I think Call of Duty, I think Xbox, because the DLC has been exclusive for a thousand sure. years. Um, I, I'm sure they're setting up Tomb Raider in that same way. Um But, yeah, I I completely agree with you. I think at this point, like, it's one thing to say console exclusive or whatever or, yeah, to say first and, like, to make it very clear what you're talking about. um, I think it is unfortunately misleading, but also don't forget that, like, these – events these press releases or press conferences or whatever aren't really just for the gamers they're also for investors and stuff and i think um they want to feel comfortable that like this thing is coming to our platform you know or at least giving the impression of coming to our platform first And it'll do really well and it's a known brand and blah 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 so i don't know I, i can see the reasoning behind it and i'm sure like microsoft especially like they haven't announced a figure sony just announced 10 million sold through the last we got from microsoft was 5 million sold in like i mean that's you know that makes it look like it's two to one, even if that gap has closed a little bit, but um, man, they need to make it sound like they have stuff coming. Make waves. Yeah. I understand why they do it, but that's exactly what it is. They do it. So like they want, like everyone's like, oh man, I wonder if they regret doing this. And they don't regret it at all because like it got everybody talking about Tomb Raider. It got everyone talking about Tomb Raider with a big Xbox logo in their blogger image or whatever. Like I I think they've done exactly what they wanted to do. And yes, they maybe had to backtrack a little and explain afterwards, but like truthfully, I think they are probably pretty happy with how this was received. And, Um, And no matter how much people complain, like millions of people are going to buy this in on Xbox One in holiday 2015 before it's on anything else. So.
3: For sure. And a lot of people have been tweeting at us and asking us even in comments and stuff like, well, this game won't be an exclusive or you know, this PlayStation game won't be an exclusive or this Xbox game won't be an exclusive. There's always a way to figure this out, right? Like, if Here's a rule of thumb for Sony, for PlayStation. We know this because we've covered PlayStation for a long time. If one of Sony's first-party studios developed it, it's never going anywhere else. And if a second or third-party studio developed it and when you see it, a trailer for it, it says published by sony computer entertainment it's never going anywhere else if you don't see anything else like that in a trailer then it's likely a timed exclusive or not exclusive at all so when people are curious about the tomorrow children whatever that game is called like that's an exclusive q games is not owned by sony but sony's publishing that game uh the same thing with Bloodborne. Bloodborne is not coming to any other console. Sony is publishing and paying for that game, even though they're not making it. You know, so you
1: can hold that hope for PC yeah. one day and like Pixel junk. Right, those games all start yeah. limp. Right, out. exactly.
3: Like that, that's about <laughs> as much. As, that's later. about as much as we've seen, and that must come with the blessing from Sony. Sure. I mean,
2: PC is kind of Switzerland. I, I feel like most people are comfortable. They're like. Okay, we'll put this on PC. Like, that doesn't hurt us because it's not like a. They don't see it as a direct competitor, I think. And also, for the devs, it's probably not as bad to port it to a PC when we you're figure, not We figure, yeah, you're
1: talking about PC. You're already talking about the fact that Steam integrates with PSN. Now, yep. BattleNet integrates with PSN,
2: yeah. I mean, I think the weird for people who don't. I remember when Mass Effect Trilogy was announced, people didn't understand why it was such a big deal. And I think it's such a big deal because Mass Effect 1 was technically published, I believe, by Microsoft Game Studios. Yeah, right? and the deal so lapsed. For that one, like, that's one of the few examples I can think of where, you know, it was an exception to that rule. But, yeah, like. For anyone who's ever thought, like, oh, man, like, like I, I remember Neil Druckmann put up some joking image uh, Neil Gaff has made, had made as his, like, Twitter yeah, banner. Background. And it had, like, someone holding a co- I think it had Bruce holding a copy of The Last of Us and on Xbox One. And he got a bunch of tweets that were like, oh, man, The Last of Us and on Xbox One, that's dumb. And it's like, dude... <laughs> Naughty Dog is owned by Sony. Like, yeah, yeah. guarantee that will never, ever, ever happen. No, never. Right? I understand that mo- a lot of people don't want to get that deep into understanding how the studio system works and stuff, but it is good to educate yourself on that if you are interested in, in having this discussion about exclusives because, obviously, that's a pretty good rule of thumb.
3: Yeah, and it's it's just about IP ownership, basically. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the interesting things Sony does now is with PubFund, and they've been doing this for a while, is they'll actually – Sony's actually loosened up so much that – they'll pay for your game and you with pub fund. So like they did this with Drinkbox with Guacamelee. Yep. Like they actually like paid for that game. And once the money's made back and they're paid back and like there are some rules they probably make a little bit on the side or whatever. That game can go anywhere. So like Sony actually paid for a game that was then ported to Xbox One um, Wii U. And Yay. and the same thing's happening with Axiom Verge, which is a game we're really excited about, uh, which is coming to PS4 and Vita first, PC later, and then could conceivably come anywhere else. I think the pub fund thing is basically a way for them to, to f- facilitate smaller games without owning IP, because you hear stories all the time, nightmare more nightmarish uh, stories earlier in PS3's life cycle, about them trying to control IP from smaller developers, and that's why they didn't get games like Limbo early, mm-hmm. because of their arcane rules. Um, so... Yeah, there's all these rules. Just pay attention. I mean, so, yeah, Uncharted never coming to Xbox. Uh, but will Tomb Raider come
2: to PlayStation? You know, probably. I don't know. I really think it will. I mean, I was wrong about Titanfall, though obviously I guess sequel will. But I I, I really did expect Titanfall to eventually get announced for PS4 later. Um, I guess it probably won't at this point. But um, I don't know. I, I think Tomb Raider, maybe I'll be wrong again. But I, I would be very surprised if we don't see it a year later or something. Yeah. Now the question is, like, a year later has Microsoft won anyway? Like, at that point, is it even relevant enough that it would make a difference if it suddenly came sure. to PS4? Um, I guess it depends on it's how It's an optics it is, issue. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. I think they, they want that. They just want it to be, you know, whether it's true or not to be associated with their platform. So... This is a
1: good jumping off point for a question from Lars. He wrote into Beyond at IGN.com. It said from Beyond. Madonna? Beyond.
2: No. Oh, okay. Lars Ulrich. He's like, is someone using my brand? <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Remember they, they went after that antique store that named a couch Metallica <laughs> and they like sued them? They're the worst. What are you doing?
1: Hey, Greg Collin they the ever-rotating third chair. I was wondering why we need video game publishers. Half the time, they seem to get in the way of creativity in games and seem to only care about money. And with the rise of indie developers and small studios, one of the major grievances I've often seen listed is the ownership of IP and the right to self publish. So, why do we need publishers? Money.
2: Right. Money. I mean, yeah, like, so for people to understand, like, so we own Gearbox owns Borderlands, like, we own our IPs, we own all of our IPs, but, um, 2K publishes that game. And what that means is not necessarily just that they, you know, have spend marketing money on it or whatever. It's, it's also that there's an investment into the product itself right. early on. So, I mean, they're they're technically allowing you to complete the game and then in return for that investment, it's, you know, they put it forward and they get a share of the money and blah, blah, blah. Um, Publishers allow you to take risks. You're talking exactly. about, Lars is
1: talking about small indie games, right, that are a little bit different. You can kickstart them, you get your money, you can go I like mean, that. the answer is
2: that now people kind of don't for those smaller indie games, right? I think that's sure. why right now it's so exciting because there are people who – If you can get the money, whether through Kickstarter or traditional means, like you you don't need a publisher anymore. You can that's throw it right saying. on I'm Steam. Say, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, I'm saying that the fact that the publishers exist to fund a multi-million-dollar game that you wouldn't be able to get a loan for or a Kickstarter yeah. for or whatever. You need somebody there saying we believe in the product. Here is this money. Now, when it gets sold, we get our cut, and this is how it works. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the yeah. business model to make something that's a little bit bigger, maybe than your studio can personally get out.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think the answer is that it, it is kind of at this point not antiquated, but I mean, it is a more traditional model that I think people are just like in film. I mean, Hollywood's the same way right now mm-hmm. that distribution used to be that you could not get anywhere unless you had a studio behind you and had a distributor but um i think now that's not the case because people can release something straight to youtube or via kickstarter there's a a short that's nominated for an oscar or i think it was last year got nominated for an oscar that was kickstarted which is kind of cool um and so i think now in all around that that model is kind of going away
1: yeah i agree
2: and
3: uh just real quick You know, he talks about how publishers only care about money. Certainly, they do care about money. They're a business. Uh, Don't fool yourself into thinking that developers don't care about money. If there's a developer out there that's telling you that they don't care that they get paid or they don't care about their bonuses they get when their games are coming out and the the games do well, they're lying. Um, This is a business for them, too. It's their job. Yeah. Are they artists? Are they they fine programmers? All this kind of thing. Of course. But, like, let's not, like sanctify the developer over the publisher necessarily when sure. everyone's in it for the money because well, it's their
2: job and also most publishers like if you're looking at take two if you're looking at activision if you're looking at ea they're publicly traded companies so yes they care about the money but that's because they're also they have this gigantic pool of people who you know put money in and get money back and all that stuff there there are many 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 sizes of that pie so i think with publishers like yes they only care about the money but that's also because they're you know they have so many masters that they, right. they have to pay all that back Um, And also, don't forget that, like, you know, you can call it greed or whatever, but if they don't make money, then they're not going to keep being able to, like, look at THQ, right? Like, that as a publisher is no longer around because the money wasn't there. So, I mean, yes, they only care about money, but – and sure, maybe to some individuals that could be about, hey, I just really want a bunch of money so I can buy a pool or whatever. But I think it's more about keeping the business alive and all that stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean, like, what drives the artists, right? The art, obviously. Like, what drives us to write? We like to write. But – would I be able to write in a vacuum without being paid by my employer? No, of course not. And, like, do I want, you know, to make money on what I do to, like, be able to fuse the 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 love of doing something with being able to live my life? Yes. And, like, that, so let's not, you know, developers aren't, like, just <laughs> making games for, you know, for, for, for giggles. And uh, we have to kind of walk away from that. Like, they, ha- they, ha- they are entitled and have a right to make a living off of their game. Whether or not the market agrees is another thing entirely. But, um, you know, everyone's in it for the money in business. That yep. is what business is. Number three. Here's an interesting fact, Greg. Um, uh, finally. About the upcoming <laughs> PS4 game, No Man's uh, Sky. Oh, yeah. It will take over one billion years to see the entire game. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I a planet. Hello,
2: Welcome to episode 4,000 of IGN's Let's Play of No Man's Sky.
3: Word comes from Hello Games co-founder Sean Murray, who told IGN that there are so many planets in the game that it would be literally impossible to see them all. Indeed, the procedurally generated universe used to be smaller. It was developed using a 32-bit number, which would take gamers four or 5,000 years if they were to spend a single second on every planet. But that number was up to a 64-bit number, meaning that you're going to, you're never going to see all, all mm, of them. Mm, mm. uh, so I thought that was a, kind of an interesting stat. That's really cool. So that you. sounds
1: awesome that you will come in and we'll both play the game or all three of us will play the game and we'll come in and have different experiences mm-hmm. and we won't know about that planet you went to or whatever.
2: I think that's why that game is so ambitious and exciting because, man, that's really cool. Now, do we know if it's like persistent in that if I discover a planet... Can I, like, put a flag down and then you discover that planet later and see my flag? Think we
1: know that, do we? I thought, no, I don't know much about it. cool. I
2: don't know if it's online. I'm not,
1: I'm not super thinking.
3: interested in it right now. A lot of people are, like, really losing their minds over it. I want. I need more information.
1: you got too much did going on. Did you not play Joe wrong, Danger, bro.
3: Colin? Huh? Did you not play Joe Danger? I did play Joe. Actually, I played Joe Danger for, like, one second. Not a racing now, game. Now, imagine doing that. Not a racing <laughs> yeah.
2: game. I heard that if you play Joe Danger I for did. one second every year, you would still never see the end of it before the sun breaks out.
3: It's probably true. <laughs> Uh, number four, eagerly awaited PS Vita-exclusive Freedom Wars from Sony's Japan studio finally has a Western release date. IGN can confirm that Freedom Wars will launch in North America on Tuesday, October 28th, and will be Woo. available both digitally and at retail for 29.99. It will launch in Europe digitally on Wednesday, October 29th, and at retail on Friday, October 31st. There are pre-order bonuses available for PSN and participating retailers if you're interested. Uh, I'm going to have much more on that game soon. Um, very excited about it. You did, like it? It did extremely well. I do. I like it a lot. And it did extremely well in Japan. And... Here's just the thing, real quick. A lot of people are talking about like we don't get any more big Vita AAA games. This is a AAA game. And it might not be up your alley, but it's it's, and so you probably don't want to play it if it's not up your alley. But real but- quick.
1: I, we always do this, sorry. Yeah. In a nutshell, what is Freedom Wars? For somebody who's listening at home, driving their bus full of nuns at right, home, right. I don't know what that means. They, <laughs> they're they literally insane.
3: <laughs> uh, Freedom Wars is a game that was developed uh, from Japan Studio along with two Japanese developers called Dimps and Shift. Um, and it's m- a Monster Hunter-like game, but it's got... Uh, guns and swords and verticality—it's very action-oriented, you it's very fast. And yeah, you grapple like up. on monsters, like pull yourself up to them and kill them. Kind of like Shadow of the Colossus, sure. but not nearly that grand. Um, and the, the cool thing I think is the story. So uh, there's everyone. Li- Earth is overpopulated in this game, and everyone lives in these uh, city states called panopticons, and. Uh, basically everything's so overpopulated and there's no supplies so like the, the the most minor of grievances will get you thrown in prison for like exorbitant <laughs> amounts of time nice um, isn't it like a million year yeah and you get like million yeah. year sentences yeah. and stuff like that and so the idea is that you have a million year sentence in the game no one I don't know how you end up there I'm sure you find out um, and the idea is to work for the government to lower your jail time to zero so you can get out so all, of the, like missions, the, so all of the missions you do lower your time by 10 15 20 30 100 gotcha. years at a time and then you get out so So I guess what I'm saying is like yeah, it's not Bioshock we want Bioshock. It's not you know another Uncharted, but this is a AAA game um, from a from a first party studio um, like Killzone or Tearaway. Um, So it's a game worth paying attention to um, because yeah, we have a lot of indie games and smaller games on Vita, but you know if if Freedom Wars ends up good and it ends up selling well. Um, and people like it, and it resonates with people. Then, what's to say that we won't, you know, won't get more of them? I guess what I'm saying is the proof's going to be in the pudding with how these games perform. This game yeah. sold really well
2: in Japan, I and mean, that um, timing is perfect. That's, uh, I think, yep. the day I'm going to get in a plane to Pax Australia, which is Oy! Dallas to Sydney is the longest commercial flight in the world. So, I'm, really, or longest nonstop? How long yeah, is it's it? horrifying. Like I heard 20 hours or something. Jesus. No, it's longer it's than that, I think. Probably longer. Yeah, um, uh, that sounds so terrible. I just did like the 11. But you got hour Freedom Wars. It'll, no, I will. Your Vita
1: lasts you four hours, and you can play it.
2: Oh man, I was uh, the the flight I had back from. We connect through London and came to Dallas. It had uh, like outlets? outlets and stuff, mm-hmm. like USB yeah, outlets, yeah. and like a, I watched uh, Captain America Two. I watched Amazing Spider Man. Cool. Had... <laughs> Uh, I you missed this. Josh <laughs> writes into beyondthevgn.com, just like you, It says.
1: Beyond, beyond, with the recent announcement of Freedom Wars having a release date in October, I started wondering why didn't they announce this on the stage at Gamescom? Seems like a missed opportunity. Is Sony now actively avoiding marketing the Vita? Will we see any marketing push for Freedom Wars, or is it doomed to fade into obscurity? Thanks, and beyond.
3: Yeah, it's a great question. I have no. I thought for sure Freedom Wars would be on the stage. Because that is a big game for them. I mean, that
2: feels like a really good TGS thing. That doesn't help with the Western release date, obviously. It's out already in in Japan. Yeah, so it's like. Weird. Never mind. So. It's a terrible TGS thing, actually.
3: <laughs> and um, heads up, everybody. And this is why
2: I'm not head of marketing at Sony. So
3: let me read number five, and it's when we'll get to that question. Okay. It, it okay. it.
1: It's all linked together.
3: Number five. In response to wide complaints on the internet of a lack of love for Vita at Sony's Gamescom press conference, uh, Shoni Shahida Mad, who's a friend of Podcast Beyond, whose job it is to secure games for Vita and other PlayStation platforms, tweeted out a number of games in the pipe for the handheld, including Papers, Please, Tales of Hearts, R, Velocity 2X, Hotline Miami 2, Wrong Number, bro force Volume, and more. Minecraft, he He also promises that many more games are in the pipe. In a separate interview, Shuhei Yoshida made note of something he told us at E3, that Sony doesn't want the press conferences to go too long, and that Vita fans are so dedicated that Sony expects that they'll find the news they seek without having to tell the wider public. To me, that's, you know, and that's just a paraphrase, that's not, sure, his exact wording, but that's basically what he said, and he told us that at E3. Um, That's the wrong move for Vita. Vita will be doomed to the niche and eventually to fail if they don't give it more time. I don't really understand what they're thinking with PS Vita. And Freedom Wars, he's absolutely right, was a perfect game to have something on Gamescom's stage for. Not only the release date announcement, not only a, a token thing, but gameplay. And like show people the game and tell them why it's important, tell them why they want to play it. They aren't doing right by Vita. Period. Well, I mean, and, for that, for
1: what they want, apparently, it's okay. We can, Oh, is it the marker that hit me?
3: Yeah, not, you know, not your luscious fingers. No, stop touching mm. me like that. I don't like it. I like it a little. Too much. I, I like the reverse, like, you like turnaround that? touch. You got some moves. I, and I use them all. I'm Christine's <laughs> lucky lady.
1: <laughs> no, I think what we're talking about, right? Is you're saying they're not doing right by the Vita. They're not. In their mind, they are. It's their system, right? They're doing right yeah. by the the, ba- the battle plan they have laid out of,
3: well... Which is what, ignore it? Yeah. Uh, that you and <laughs> I
1: are going to ex- <laughs> fall for the same trap every week and tell people to buy it in Minecraft and Persona. So what do they care? Because the hardcore are buying it and the hardcore are making it at least profitable enough that they, that's what they want out of it.
2: Plus, if they really do have a finite amount of time on stage and they can spend six minutes or four minutes or whatever it is talking about Freedom Wars, which realistically, right, like let's say that game even does a million, that would be huge for them. Or a PS4 game that's probably going to do $5 million and be at a higher MSRP and make them more money. Like, I mean, just from a pure numbers standpoint, it's probably smarter to focus on the PS4 game. No, for, I, I, I love the Vita. Like, I agree with do you. you? But I'm just saying. Oh, I do. <laughs> no, I, I don't agree that it probably makes financial sense to focus on
3: PS4, especially because there's all these complaints that PS4 has no games, which we know isn't true. Same complaint as Vita, which we know isn't true. I just wonder wh- how they expect this to get any better. You know, and I think that their expectation is that they think it's not gonna get better, so they shouldn't even try. But I say try. You know, like I think like their expectation try is that like, it's good enough. And they're I,
1: fine with it. We and uh, we're gonna get to the list of games that came out this week. There's a whole bunch of stuff. We talk about everything that he was talking about on Twitter
3: of these games coming out. There's a lot of good stuff coming yeah, out. Yeah, but but you you can make it better. Optically you can make it better even. And you can convince people it's not our job to you know I'm glad that people, you know, take our advice and buy games that we like or that we recommend or hardware or whatever. But ultimately that's not what we're here to do, and no, so like, you all. can't rely on you know people's you know just token kind of oh I like the Vita kind of thing to sell Vitas. It's like you got to prove yep. to people in a, in a more commercial sense like why they need to buy the handheld because it's your product. And and I you know the 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 the, the crappy thing about Vita is that it's in a death spiral that Sony is helping to. It is seven year tailspin. Thank you, you knew exactly, <laughs> about, exactly. where
2: my
1: mind jumped to because that was going to be my example too of like they're like you know why don't they give a chance that they tried hard with PSP and it never but worked PSP that way. Sold
3: eighty million units
1: exactly based on people like us who were like this is great man I love Rockman Unplugged I love Patapon like, no, I don't not-
3: think I don't I don't I don't think that's fair because the PSP had a super early sales that were heavy because they had lots of games on it and, and then they
1: had the seven year tailspin of this thing has no games it has so many games what are you talking yeah, about yeah
3: but the, that's what I'm saying the install base was much higher earlier when PSP was still relevant. You know, like, PSP was really big in North America for a couple years, you sure. know? Like, And it, we all remember that. I was in college when that happened and, and we had Grand Theft Auto and all these yeah. kinds of games. Death Junior.
2: No, no one. Mega no like, uh, that was the one that turned everything around.
3: I don't know. It's just, it's just frustrating to me because I feel like you know, someone made a recommendation, I don't know where I read it, like, Sony should just start doing Nintendo Direct-style things for Vita. For Vita, yeah. yeah so, that's a great idea. I, so I
2: think it's two separate points, right? The, the, are they giving up on Vita? Do they need to do stuff for Vita? Yes. I mean, they need to do more in general and then the separate point of oh like the Vita sells itself it'll the people who want Vita stuff will seek it out I think is bad because I mean there's a reason like Coca-Cola still advertises every year like if you think about the millions of dollars Coke probably spends in advertising every year when if they just didn't if they were like we're just not going to advertise this year like the amount of money they would lose in sold Cokes would probably still be less than the amount of money they would save in advertising but they advertise because it's about keeping it out there and brand awareness and if you wait long enough something surpasses it and blah 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 I think with Vita like at a certain point, if they just literally stop talking about it because they figure the audience will self-regulate, it, no, it won't, and the audience will slowly shrink. And yeah, I mean, they, they need to get word out there, but I think that's the answer. I think dedicated events and time to focus and and explain what the Vita is in a separate event makes a lot more sense than... Sure, they could have shown Freedom Wars for a few minutes in that press conference, in between two gorgeous 60 frames per second 1080p games. Like, Is that really the best place to show that? I don't think so. I think it probably would have been overshadowed by bigger stuff i mean that's like that's the the e3 press conference thing in general people always talk about is like if you're on stage for your three minutes and you're sandwiched in between call of duty and destiny like guess which game people aren't talking about afterwards it's your little three minute so i think um there there there's a need to talk about vita i agree with that but i think a place like gamescom is probably not it unless they have like a dedicated 30 minute block which they obviously didn't have this year
1: based on everything we're talking about mark writes in and says hey guys huge fan of the podcast and a big fan of my vita question (laughs) With all the talk recently of Vita's future, what do you think the chances are that Sony will try another handheld, and what do you think it would be like? I think the chances are slim and none. You ever see another Sony handheld, and I'm not talking about another Vita redesign. I mean Vita 2, PSP 2, whatever.
2: No time, anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I think Vita right now is still part of the PS4 platform. Like whether whether that's yet another separate conversation of like it, the Remote Play stuff is working great. You know, like I have no complaints about just how Remote Play functions, and they just released a second model less than a year right. ago. So yeah, I I don't think you see. Even a new model of Vita for quite a while, let alone a whole new handheld. I think you're yeah. talking—if it happens—you're talking five years minimum.
3: Sure. Yeah, I think I said it before on the show. I'm of two minds. Like the, the most obvious thing is to say like there's no chance they're done like with handhelds. The other thing is that like I think they're crazy enough to make another Vita. You know, like I think that they're crazy enough to be like, nope, like we, <laughs> like we're making another Vita. You know, it's more powerful and blah 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 blah, and it'll play your old games and it has two triggers on each side and all this kind of thing. I can see like there's a portion of my mind that's like i can see them doing that and i yeah. feel like it could be an r&d right now you know like because they they want to
2: double that well they're De- definitely
1: they definitely have an, another handheld being worked on an r&d right now guaranteed will it ever see the light of day i don't know
2: yeah i'm sure they're prototyping i mean that's days. how this works right i mean like, they even have it out. think about it as ps4 is selling probably twice as fast as they ever expected to like if they can get a machine out during the ps4's lifespan that can play ps4 games natively like yeah i mean they they would want to do sure. that yeah
3: it's uh, uh, But I mean, like, I that device can't
2: be $900, though. Like, I mean, that's that's the problem is like getting it down to the same problem Sony has had pretty much every time it's launched a system other than PS4, which is like launching it at way too high of a price point and the proprietary memory and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they can't, if they really do another handheld, like they have to learn so much from this launch. Like, surely they would understand, like, what goes into it and what'll get people to buy it. I think, like, you always say, like, you know, sell the hardware at a loss, make it up in software.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's what you have to do. And they're already making a profit on PS4. So they. I just think Sony is bold enough to do it. Like, I think that they're actually, like, one of the companies that would actually,
2: they would do it. Well, I mean, and if PS4 and, continues to sell this well yeah. throughout this whole generation, they'll have, theoretically, the money to take a risk, too, so. But there's no need to do that right now. Just focus on making Vita better. It's sickening
3: better right now. Number six. Ah, Sony guy. Computer Entertainment Japan's president and CEO, Hiroshi Kawano, is retiring from Sony effective August 31st. Kawano joined Sony in 1985 and was the head of SCEJ for the launches of Vita and PS4. Let's see. Atsushi Morita will succeed Kawano effective September first, and is currently serving as Sony's vice president Lux. of administration and control. Maybe I'll get to meet him when I go to Japan in a few weeks. Ooh, uh,
1: not if you keep talking this trash on yeah, Vita. No.
3: Hey, I'm not talking that trash on Vita. I'm just, you just telling ca- the like, you just it called is. Called
1: it was sick and in bed. It is sick and in <laughs> they bed. They have a plan for it, Colin. It's in a. It doesn't match with your plan. I was at, at stu- I was at
3: Studio Japan last year, and I'm convinced that there's a room full of beds with Vitas in it, connected to IVs, <laughs> little thermometers sticking <laughs> yeah. out, the little like old
2: school hat. Number seven. Oh wait! But before you move on, mm-hmm. I-, I think that's actually really interesting because Sony as a whole, like looking at SCEA and SCEJ, like it's kind of a new guard right now. It's pretty crazy. I yep. mean, if you look at how many people in major positions, because I mean, Kaz is now head of everything, so it's not like he's really focused on the gaming side. Tretton's gone. Like it- it's it's just really interesting that Sony next year compared to Sony even three years ago, it's so different. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is a little weird. Still kind of still kind of getting over, over Shuhei's no. never going anywhere. Yeah, of
1: course not. If Shuhei leaves. Sony, it's the day I weep on this podcast. The podcast, think, it will just be calling Night crying at the table. I
2: think his, uh, as a promotional stunt, when they finally let you change your PSN name, Shuhei should change his last name to PlayStation, thus confirming he will never leave the country.
1: <laughs> Jeez, he's dedicated. <laughs> <laughs> PlayStation son.
2: Number seven. And finally, some game announcements.
3: Kickstarted adventure game Dreamfall Chapter is coming to PlayStation 4 this November. Where's Knob Switch. Knob <laughs> Switch <laughs> on.
2: Dreamfall is and Knob Switch. Next <laughs> up. The <sequel> to Cube, <laughs> when Cube, the Vita gets out of bed, it comes with Knob Switch.
3: <laughs> the sequel to Cube Cube Squared is coming to PS4. Zen Pinball is the Walking Dead Pinball is coming to PS4, PS3, and Vita on August 26th and can be accessed via P- Zen Pinball 2. RPG Runemaster will be coming to PlayStation 4 in 2015. And Q Games and Double Eleven's Nom Nom Galaxy, a continuation of the Pixel Junk series, will come to PS4 and Vita at an undetermined time. That's it.
1: All those games sound great, but they're not out yet. Andrew Goldfarb, mm-hmm. if I wanted to know what came to stores this week, the mom and grop shops, where would I go?
2: That would be the uh, official Leah B. Jackson memorial list of upcoming PlayStation <laughs> software on all three platforms by the IGN
5: editor.
2: <laughs> True. Number number PS3. That's not a number.
3: <laughs> i PS3. A,
2: PS3. Counter strikes out. It's available digitally. We'll <gasps> yeah. have more on that very soon because we interviewed them. God, it feels like that. I can't believe that game is just now out. I feel like we were seeing that game like a year and a half ago. We just saw it a long time ago.
3: Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls is available digitally and at retail. Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare is available digitally and retail. Tales of Exilia 2 (laughs) is available digital and retail and I reviewed that on IGN Game 8.
2: You gotta pay off debt and stuff I hear. Yep. You do. Sounds like a Tom Nook nightmare.
3: (laughs) (laughs) On PlayStation 4... Plants vs. Zombies, Garden Warfare is available digitally in a retail. This is a really random one. Rygar, the old arcade game, which I loved on NES, even though it wasn't really quite a a, a faithful port. It's available digitally. I can't wait. I'm playing that tonight. counter Spy is available digitally. Kung Fu Rabbit, which I think is already on Vita, is available digitally. Diablo 3, Reaper of Souls is available digitally in a retail. I actually think Kung Fu Rabbit's a PS3 game. Sorry, that's on the wrong list. Holly Miami, the original one, is available digitally on PS4 as of today. And I think it's cross-play and cross-buy, so if you already bought it on Vita and PS3, I think you might already have it for free. Not positive about that. And The Last Tinker, City of Colors, is available digitally. On Vita, Counter-Spy is available. What? The Last Tinker, that looks incredible. It's like a 3D platformer. I'm all over that game. It looks cool. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to review it. On Vita. Counter-Spy is available digitally. Crimson Land is available digitally. I already reviewed that on PS4. What'd you give it? Uh, Like a 7, maybe? Something like that? Same thing you gave Counter-Spy. Yep. Gravity Badgers is available digitally. Awesome and name. I like that. And uh, a game I'm really excited about, Sword Art Online, Hollow Fragments, available digitally. Um, this is an... Uh, uh, an RPG that was on Vita in Japan did very well over there has a huge community I think a lot of people actually imported it um, to play here like the kind of the hardcore western Vita community so uh, I have my code I don't think I'm going to review it but I will be playing it and uh, we'll send it out to a freelancer and That's what is that
2: The Last Tinker City of Color it's called yep City Craig, of Colors remind me to download that I'm on it <laughs> thanks buddy
1: everybody tweet at Garfep and let yeah, them know please do download Last Tinker City yeah. of Color
2: I, I like 3D platformers a lot and they're not around enough. I'm going to tell Marty about that one he, he wrote a thing about it. He was like, hey, I like this game. I wish it was a different game. called a 3D, It d Splatoon. It was that? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He wrote a, he right wrote a piece. It was like, I really like Splatoon, but I wish it was a 3D platformer. Which really like.
1: And you're like, here it is. Yep. Uh, as Colin just told you, ladies and gentlemen, Diablo 3, Reaper of Souls, Ultimate Evil Edition is out. I've been playing my balls off with it. You did so stream. So good. Yeah, I've been streaming like crazy over mm-hmm. on my mm-hmm. Twitch channel. Streaming your a balls off. With. No, I didn't. No, I think they kick you off if you stream balls
2: off on the thing. I don't know. I've seen. I've seen Chui tweet some uh, pretty interesting PS4 screenshots. That's true. It works well, well.
1: Um, it's great. Uh, nobody else here has played it, right? Have you played any of it? Yeah,
2: I played Reaper. So I was at uh, Gamescom last year when it got revealed, and we saw yeah. a little bit of it. And yeah. then I was at uh, BlizzCon last year, and we played tiny bit. All right,
1: it's it's good. It's not uh, on PS4. I played it on PC for a little bit and then I played a lot of it on PS3 leading into uh, E3 when I was just looking to grind, listen to my podcasts. There are <laughs> the muddled visuals, not as much happening. In PS4 it looks way more like the PC, tons of stuff happening. Uh, they put in a whole bunch of cool multiplayer stuff. Not that you have to play with other people, but like even just like if you're playing on your friends list, we can share gifts. And I'll, you can
2: it's isn't there that whole thing where like you you kill if a monster kills you, right. it'll show up in somebody else's a game. System. Yeah, that's really smart.
1: Steimer and I have been playing non-stop together. And No one else has the game yet, you know, so there's not, like, my Mm. friends list is populated. So last night I went and played on my own for the stream, and as soon as I started, a nemesis monster that had killed her popped up in my game and just beat the Mm. out of me and killed me. There's a curse, too. You deserve it. I did. Oh, yeah. I mean, I deserve it. why is your
2: finger so dry? Touch your finger. It's like sandpaper. I don't moisturize enough. enough. It's (laughs)
1: It's like a a cat's tongue.
2: Do you want (laughs) to?
1: Well, my my hope is that I'll just have Spider-Man-like powers if I keep it up uh we have two diablo things here first off is from Why would dan dry skin
2: give you spider-man like power because
1: then i'd be able to stick to things like cat's tongue and sandpaper. dan from the uk <laughs> writes in it says beyond beyond i for one have been waiting for diablo 3 to be hitting my playstation 4 for a long time but my question is this looking on the store on my phone i see the ultimate evil edition in the coming new section on ps3 costs 29.99 euros but the PS4 costs 59.99 euros. Sorry for not converting it. I'll never understand your over-the-pond money. <laughs> Why the almost double price jump? It's just because the PlayStation 4 is new and hot, and this is what people think they can charge. It's just the same game, right? Yeah. To my yeah, knowledge, it's just the same yep. game, and yep, that's the whole point, that they want it to be... Oh, Colin's getting ready to curse. Nope. No? Oh, yeah, that's my well, the whole point, is that, uh, yeah, it's a little bit ex- more expensive because they know that, yeah, PlayStation 4 is the hot thi- hotness right now. People want to get to it. Uh, they want to go buy it. Um, Colin do you have anything else to j- jump in on this no yeah I know calm down mother Jesus Not all up head. in my grill about it <laughs> am I really all up in your grill about it Greg? no you just think I don't know how to drive this show drive this we forgot the many SSS times in the, pa- in the past years many nah, times um, oh I miss
3: this <laughs>
1: <laughs> the old married couple fighting over here yeah I mean it's just the fact that PlayStation Four is. I mean, I'm sure it looks better for sure. That's the big thing yeah. about it. I mean,
2: it's it's just the new. I, it runs better also, than. Also, if I'm not mistaken, those like online things are PS4 oh, are only. I, think? I don't remember. I don't know. I don't work at Blizzard.
1: I'm not too worried about it. I mean, why yeah. would you even play it on PS3? Just upgrade already.
2: Yeah. Get it. Get get it going. Keep that PS3 around. I'm sure, for, but um, yeah, I'm for sure Persona there's. Five and Berlin free sequel and Assassin's Creed Rogue. <laughs> and Tales, yeah, Tales of Asteria. Yeah,
3: Tales of
1: yep. Uh, yeah, so I mean, to my knowledge, yeah, it's just the fact that PlayStation 4 is the hotness, and it runs better, and it might have additional features that you should be playing, and those are the features yeah. they've been talking about nonstop. Yep. If you have both, do it. You can upload your PS3 or 360 save to Battle.net and then download it to That's PlayStation 4 it.
2: or your Xbox One. It's like it's that. platform
1: agnostic, which is nice.
2: I think it's really cool how many people. Uh, wasn't there something else? Oh, didn't like yeah. Next gen GTA. They said you can take your GTA online save from any platform and
1: right. Mm, man, I cool. wish you could take your real save though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah awesome. I know. I'm asking for too much. It I
2: would be so cool if those walls eventually got broken down. I mean, I know they won't. but Break the walls down. Yeah. Shuhei Yoshida, tear yeah. down <laughs> this wall. <laughs> I was just watching a Reagan documentary yesterday. Oh, how was right. that?
3: It's good. It's part one of three. Oh, nice. let us know how it wraps up. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm reading um, a biography of Joss Whedon right now. And for some reason, it keeps making me think of you, because it's been so long since I've read a biography. And I'm like, Colin likes biographies. And Joss Whedon and Ron Wigan are good friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, well, they work together. Yeah. Um, yeah. He ghost wrote his speeches when mm-hmm. he was like one year old.
1: Jason writes in to be Hit of the Week, and I said sure, because he wants some friends. He says, greetings, Red Colin, and the occupant of the perpetual motion chair.
2: Ooh.
1: Hit of the Week request, I really want to enjoy some of the social features of Ultimate Evil Edition without actually having to play the game or talk to anyone. So my PSN name is Roger, Risen Roger. Devil. <laughs> R-I-S-N-D-E-V-I-L. Hit me up, Beyond Jason. Everyone, go friend Jason. Send him a message that says Beyond. Let him know you love him and that you want to trade gifts with him and send him
2: gold. Gifts? Like animated gifts? Well,
1: no, no. Gifts like when you're playing Diablo, you'll kill a monster and you'll collect things. And then it'll say, like, this is a gift for Jason. And then it would just send it off. You send it off, Jason! Jason, And it would show up in his mail. And it's great. Outside of Diablo, (laughs) Yes, and it confirmed. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, rest in peace, Clements, wherever, <laughs> wherever we hid your body. Uh, you reviewed Counterspy. I did. It's out this week. Tell me a little bit about it. Uh,
3: Counterspy is a side-scrolling espionage game that takes place in the Cold War. It can be beaten in like three or four hours. Yeah. It, it, it takes a page out of the Metroidvania book of design, but the maps are not huge. They're like 10 minutes each and they're procedurally generated. And it looks um, like
2: Archer. It's got that cool. like
3: Yeah, it, it's got um, like a beautiful art design. The, the, the art director is an OG guy from Pixar um, and uh, the guys who made the game are from LucasArts and Rockstar. Um, so it's the, the studio's got a good pedigree. Um, I gave it a seven. I think the the game is immaculate looking. Um, I think the gunplay could use some work. I think that the AI is super inconsistent, which is a
2: major problem in a lot of stealth games. Sure. You know, um, I would love to hear more about this game. Yeah. Is there some kind of some kind of any other information I could get?
1: You're about to get it, ladies and gentlemen, oh. and Andrew Golfara, because that OG guy from Pixar and one of the dudes formerly of Lucas <laughs> Mark and Dave, they popped up here for your enjoyment. Here they are, CounterSpy. Boom, there it is, Colin. Yeah. Two people at the table. That's how quick we do it. Everybody give a round of applause. Mark and David are here. They're here hey. Head on the back. Well done, yeah. Good job. So let's start things at the top of the, the most important thing I think possible. Uh, David. Yep. You live in my neighborhood. Our neighborhood. <laughs> that's right we, the sunset we, i was walked to the train today you came up i'm like oh, another adoring fan to talk to and he's like you're going to interview me today i was like oh what's you. up <laughs> how you doing
5: this is weird now
1: yeah it was,
3: yeah, yeah it, it, that's funny i had no idea when i went to the studio
5: I, I i was saying to greg i've seen seen you and i would go that guy looks familiar um and then i i only clicked i think when when we chatted, Colin, and realized you were in the neighborhood. Yeah. So that was kind of weird today. Literally, on my way to work, not work here. Yeah, thinking, literally coming right. here to meet us to yeah, talk. I myself psyched up, and it's like, oh, no, there's Greg, and oh, he's walking over here, and oh, now he's right in front of me. I I, best, I guess I better say hello. So Then we talked about Rogue Legacy, so Awkward. it all worked out. Rogue Legacy is awesome, but I, I'm i totally a, a noob at that game.
1: Yeah, we all are. Colin's the only man in the room, I think.
3: Yeah, I, I beat it. It was it was good. I want to do the new game plus thing and and, and see how hard it gets. It's Supposed mm-hmm. to be very good.
1: But uh, enough of that game. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about counter Spy.
5: Well, who wants to go first? You're warmed um, up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah. The,
1: the train got you nice and loose. For All this right. <laughs> uh,
5: yeah. So counter Spy it's the the first game from our studio Dynamite. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a side-scrolling action stealth game. Uh, it's uh, set in the sort of 50s cold war setting uh it's coming out on all the playstation devices yeah. uh next tuesday this tuesday Yay. today 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 <laughs> it's coming out today, uh, coming out today. <laughs> time travel <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out right now um cross by cross by cross save um yes
3: Cool, and it's also available on, it's going to be available on mobile, right, later on as well? There is it is a
5: mobile version, yeah, cool. and it's it's intended to be kind of its own game, like it has a lot of the same core gameplay, uh, so less of a companion app, uh, more of a game in its own right.
3: Mm-hmm. Cool, so when I came and visited you guys at your studio last week, First of all, the studio is an awesome space. You should see this place. It's The space is just awesome. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, and uh, the bathrooms I was especially impressed with. <laughs>
0: Thank you. The bathrooms are very cool.
3: Because one bathroom that's is imperialist and one bathroom is Soviet style. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Um, and uh, so... I guess like where I want to start is like where, what was the, the nugget of the idea for this game and how did you guys kind of find each other? Because what I was so fascinated about talking to you guys, and we're going to do a piece later on, I think, mm-hmm. um, after the game comes out. How did you guys find each other? Because there's a lot of experience from different places, even outside the games industry, mm-hmm. um, to come together and make this game. It's sure. like an
0: online dating <laughs> service, really. <laughs> Looking um, for a
5: dev.com. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So some, some of it's not too far from that as it happens. Mm-hmm. There, there's so f- four of us who formed the Nucleus, who originally kind of really set out to start the company. Uh, Myself and John, uh, we'd worked together at LucasArts. There's a guy, Mark, who John had known. Uh, He sort of brings a bit more of the business acumen. um, And he's he's like the least businessy business person we could find. (laughs) he just got back from India and and is like a surfer, so that's our business guy. And and a,
0: a serious gamer too. Right,
5: and a, and a total gamer nerd. So that was important. I like the idea of him just being a surfer. Right.
1: <laughs> hey man, what are you guys doing? Stop worrying about it. Ride the wave. Right.
5: <laughs> um, and then Mark. Um, so the way that that we found Mark was literally. Uh, and we knew that we wanted to build a games company and make games that, that had really strong visuals. And I'm a huge Pixar fanboy. Um, and I literally was like, okay, um, who, who do we need to sort of fill out that fourth chair, right? The guy that's gonna lead the, the visual development. And I literally went onto LinkedIn and did a keyword search, <laughs> Pixar art director. So it was kind of like online dating except using LinkedIn. Um, and then when Mark's name popped up, we, we kind of started communicating. Hey.
0: Well, the, the the timing was perfect because I had just given notice at Pixar. I'd been there a very long time, uh, great experience, but it was sort of time. I, it, it was time that I wanted some new sure, growth and challenge, right? right? And um, what's I, the
1: last movie you worked on? Uh,
0: Monsters Two, I believe.
1: Were you in a documentary about Pixar?
0: I might have been. All right. You
1: look really familiar, and I, yeah. thought, I assumed I had met you in game development before. Oh, okay. but no, maybe I was, not. I probably yeah. watched you. I was
0: probably in the background, like walking in the hallway or something, <laughs> uh, behind, behind the monkey on the scooter. You're, you're you know,
5: in the uh, in the Incredibles, uh, there's some okay. Brad Bird meetings. I think
0: you're sure. Okay. Extra foot My, my, my you. moment <laughs> of fame. Uh, but anyway, uh, I had. The, Told them I wanted to move on, and they were very supportive of that. And I gave notice and updated my uh, LinkedIn resume for the first time in like 16 years. And then within like I feel like a few weeks, I get this email from David. You were probably like, "What's LinkedIn, right?" Like, no, been no, there for I was aware. Years. Well, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it was something that I definitely needed to dust off a lot of stuff. But um, it was just great timing, and I think in the way that you kind of, you know. Uh, the kind of company you wanted to build, the kind of games you wanted to make, really spoke to me and my interests creatively. We shared a lot of the same passions. And we went through this sort of uh, very kind of long courtship for a while. Pixar, even though I had given notice, they kept extending me sure. uh, for, for several months. And finally, one of my um, uh, supervisors was like, okay, we have to let you go so we can kind of do this on our own now. And, uh, <laughs> and then I was freed up to, um, to to kind of consult with you guys in the beginning and, and joined you. Um, what was it? Uh, Early 11? It was totally like dating.
5: I think that's a really accurate <laughs> it was. Metaphor, we we, we like, actually became friends hmm. first
0: before we got into a serious uh, relationship. That's how yeah. the best marriages are started. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we hope we have a good foundation to uh, build on it. Do you remember? So
5: um, I remember there was a moment where Mark had been consulting for us. And, you know, I think you were getting approached by certainly companies bigger than our little Nobody's heard Companies of company. is larger than three people. Yeah. <laughs> there were a few out there at the time. And, but there was a moment... But we always were getting on, and we were sort of connecting so much creatively, mm. and there was that moment where I, I said to Mark, like, you know this is that movie where there's all the hot girls out there that you're, like, totally enraptured with and falling for, and here's your best friend over here... With her glasses like, and her ponytail, gla- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't see right in front of you that this is the best thing that will happen to you, and I think yeah. that
0: was... We had that moment where you you took your glasses off and you let your hair down and that's right and I knew it, it was <laughs> it. Uh,
3: so the the you guys get together, the four of you get together. You kind of fill out your team, I assume. Mm-hmm. The team's very small. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's got to be like what a dozen Twelve, people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, this idea, I guess, of counter spy comes out. And I'm really intrigued by this. We were talking, you know, I'm, I'm history is like my favorite thing in the mm-hmm. world, and you mm-hmm. you guys really are, are you know. Um, uh, tuned into history and this is a very this is a game that takes a lot from Cold War history it is a mm-hmm. Cold War game. Um, so how did this specific idea come up and did, was this an idea that you had or you had before you even met each other or was this something you came up with together? So I think when, when Mark and I met
5: we, there was definitely that that idea, that kernel of an idea that wanted to make something that kind of tapped into the espionage thrillers um, of the 50s and 60s like just being a huge fan of like early Bond shows like man from uncle and i think that's where mark and i really hit it off and could see how we could build something together Mm -hmm. um it's interesting so the the theme thematically where we went was sort of a a a real discovery process like i don't think we knew when we started out that we were going to set it in the cold war and and necessarily have a point of view about sort of what the cold war is like Right, which is if you think about it, the Cold War is kind of this pretty crazy, dark time in in history, and we're making a very fun, playful, colorful game. game. So <laughs> it's like, well, how do you, how make do you reconcile? A, yeah, those, like how yeah. do you
0: reconcile the two? Yeah, and um, it, I think when I came on, like we we you had that core idea, and that's what, one of the things that sold me was just getting to do this sort of '50s '60s era cool espionage game, right? And it, it touched on a lot of things I was really interested in, but there's a very it's a very wide uh, sort of uh, palette. I'm sorry, palette. Yeah, sorry to, to work in, and so tonally we didn't know quite what the tone was. Like originally it was a little darker. It was a little more gritty. Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy, or Man from Berlin kind of, or not Man from uh, Funeral, Funeral in Berlin. Berlin. Um, and we, you know, we wanted it in wanting it to be a playful game. We didn't want to take the sort of Austin Powers approach of doing right. a parody, where it's just really making fun of the genre we wanted to do it in a way where we were respectful uh and earnest but still a little lighthearted. sure so that that was a process for us to kind of find those sort of common grounds and I Mm. think you know Dr. Strangelove was a great one where there was this sort of very again serious earnestness to the the story but it was a ridiculous story and I think that kind of was like a first place we kind of found that sort of uh humorous touchstone I guess for that
5: I mean, the thing, you know, we talked about this, Colin, like the thing that we really wanted to poke fun at a bit was just that sort of that ideological sort of two what, what any two sides can be when you've got two ideological sides in opposition. And they're so like, yeah, we're right. We're, the, we're right. So they're wrong. They're wrong. And it's something that um, this sort of fundamentalist idea and it's something you see in religion, in politics. It's PlayStation versus Xbox. Like it feels like people always want to draw those battle lines, right? And um and like honestly I feel like usually when you meet people across any divide you find, well you're you're cool. We're all cool. Like you're just like us. You play Xbox, I play Playstation, but that's okay. Switch the A with the X. It's the same thing. (laughs) Right. So um I think for me that was like part of the meaning that we thought we could kind of wrap around the game. I, I think for us, it's important that we make games where there's there's sort of a meaning or there's a point sure. um, mm-hmm. underneath it, but at the same time, like not being super heavy-handed. So that's why when you play the game, you'll see a lot of the propaganda on the walls. Like that's a lot of the artwork that Mark did for the two sides, so you can kind of see ah oh, these two sides are sort of facing off against each other, but they're they're kind of the same right mm-hmm. um, you know so that was but but again like it's not it's not like in your way and getting in the way of you running around it, ragdolling So how do enemies. you but how do you
1: how do you do that? That it, it sounds easy when you say that, right? But you're making a video game <laughs> where you run around and do crazy stuff, but you're trying to deliver a message but you're not trying to beat people over the head with it, right?
0: Well it, it works at a couple of levels. I mean one for us really it just allow it it focuses us on you know, what's meaningful to us about the game. Yeah. What's the um the, th- the thing we're kind of the point of view that we're engaging in, and that sort of informs a lot of the choices in the game. Some of it becomes a little more overt. Some of it's very subtle. And I mean, ultimately, what people take away from the game is up to them. You know, mm-hmm, but it, mm-hmm. it, it allowed us to kind of filter, sort of um, uh, filter, sort of our creative choices. And so the, the posters, the propaganda posters, were a perfect way to give voice to that sort of idea. But again, not in an overt way. It's it's in the background. It's funny, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, and <laughs> yes. it, it, adds, it adds to the tone, the playful tone, a little bit of messaging there. But again, it's like it's just in the background. You run by it. Sure. You know, it's it's
5: I mean, I, I think of think of like good science fiction, right? Like awesome science fiction, whether it's start early Star Trek or anything, it's like there's it's great entertainment. You know, you get wrapped up in the characters in the world, but it can also be used to to explore things that might not otherwise. The
1: car ride home, you have that way. You're like, wait right. a second, it's mm-hmm. kind of like yeah, this. like yeah, wait. Yeah.
5: Oh, did Kirk really kiss that uh, green alien, and what does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I feel like that's the power of great entertainment. Is like it has the ability to entertain you, but you also walk away with
0: something. Yeah, it's funny you have that that Star Trek example. I just thought of that episode of the. The guys that are half black and half white fighting the guys that are half white and half black. Right, that's basically our game.
1: <laughs> oh, so you finally admit it's a ripoff.
0: Exactly, and it was an unconscious ripoff. <laughs>
5: ripoff. Uh, well, copy the best.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
0: What, what I what I enjoy so much
3: about you know the game when I came to your, your studio when we talked about it and, we, and I got to really kind of sit down and play it for a long mm. time and learn more about it was um, they don't you don't identify the United States or the Soviet Union. It's mm. the socialists and the imperialists. And, you, know, right. you don't mm. you and I love the idea of the game that you're not taking either side, that you're actually trying to sabotage both of them. Right. Um, and so I guess the story takes place that they're all, they're both trying to launch nukes at the moon, right, to be the right. first one to launch nukes. And you're trying to find um, enough information on both of them by in- infiltrating their bases to right. sabotage right. Their, pro- their nuclear gotcha. programs. So that's what the game is about. And that's – I love that idea. Mm. Um, was there any, like – sort of you're making a, a you know a, a, the game can be played anywhere but you're a western studio making a western mm-hmm. game was there right. a, some sort of w- w- did you feel the impetus at any time to make a game that was more pro-us or
0: more that took to yeah more of i the think US i side? can speak to that uh, it was it was very tricky subject matter um because on one hand you know it's it's very easy to vilify the russians you know or the other side and it's hard to 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 you know, be aggressive towards your own side. The game we wanted it to be fundamentally about two fundamental sides, and the Cold War is sort of a, a it, an illustration of that. Um, and so we wanted to keep the framework. We wanted to keep it recognizable, but I didn't want it to be literally about the Soviets and the U.S. I didn't want it to be a historical game. So there was a challenge in sort of uh, abstracting them enough. Uh, originally in the visual development, I had completely different colors and flags and things, but then no one knew what either side was, and you lost that sort of historical framework, so we had to dial it back. But it was very important to keep it you – you're you're evoking the historical, you know, uh, combatants, but again, it's not a direct um, – representation of them I, and I also felt really sensitive to the fact that you know well, well well I can go and invade a US base and shoot my grandfather you know or or something or and I didn't th- like that idea paradox. too I know exactly <laughs> um, so again it's like I, I hope we struck a right balance between abstracting it enough and you understanding it's sort of a playful game it's 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 satirical um, and it makes it a little easier to to kind of just play play the game the you know.
5: yeah, the idea of imperialists and socialists as well it was kind of came down to it's the it's the classic insults that one side always throws at the other. Right. You always hear the U.S. being accused of uh oh, you're the imperialists, you know. And it's like, oh, socialist is a bad word. And mm-hmm. it's the way that these labels get attached and thrown at people that kind of depersonalizes. So we we, we kind of latched
0: onto to that as being kind of who we wanted to label them as. Counter, counter is kind of the lens. It's almost like looking through the lens of today and looking back and reflecting on it and sort of seeing, it, you know, again, seeing kind of the the, the sort of tragic irony of that you know, uh, conflict. So just just to also, because
5: uh, this is getting... <laughs> a little deep. This, this, we're getting serious <laughs> here, too. But um, from the fun side, um, we, you know, we love Bond. We love all those old uh, yeah. espionage movies. And so in Bond, you've got Spectre, right? Like Spectre, the evil shadowy organization. And we didn't want to also just m- um, make our own version of Bond. We thought, sure, well, what right. if we put a twist on it? Like counter are they're viewed as the shadowy organization by the the sort of nations but you you're on the inside you see yourself as the good guy, the hero yeah right and so it's like flipping it so that the superpowers are the supervillains, right yeah. and so once we kind of tapped into that and then we did feel obviously like let's not call them us and soviet mm-hmm. as well all
1: right so right now colin yeah there's a guy in kansas Driving a tractor and listening yeah. to podcasts. Yeah. Beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's yeah. enjoying the highfalutin talk, but what is the moment-to-moment <laughs> gameplay right. of counter Spy? We haven't touched on that. I know you run, and I know there's posters in the back, yeah. and then there's all <laughs> this stuff piled on all top. All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Thanks.
5: think think about your love for early kind of arcade action style side scrollers, right? Okay. Like like there's a we have a love for that genre. We wanted to make something. That, that had all the sort of trappings of those fun, easy to pick up and play, run and gun games. At the same time, bringing in stealth and have stealth be a portion of it. Um, so this is not a pure stealth game. It's not a game where you go into the room and if you get spotted, you're like, oh no, I have to restart. Right. It's, um, it, but there's definite advantages to playing stealthy, avoiding detection. Um, you can sneak up behind guys, take them out. Um, stealth headshot guys build up combos that kind of add to points. So again, like there's a very arcadey feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also is how you earn, one of the ways you can earn money, and that's how you can buy weapons. Um, but there's this interesting thing that we, we brought to it that we feel is sort of kind of makes it um, unique or makes it its own thing, mm-hmm. which is like you're playing it in a classic side-scroller. You're running around trying to avoid detection. Um, when you see a cover point, you can pop into cover, and then when you pop into cover, the perspective shifts around, and now you have more of a cinematic 3D combat view, um, more like you would see in a full 3D game. Oh, okay. um, so there's this kind of unique mix between like, the 2D for navigation, navigating the world, and then when you get into something where there's more of a combat encounter, or if you just want to hide, pop out, and take a guy out silently, like we've got this cover camera. Awesome.
0: And, and, you know, the, the, the style and the gameplay, it all evolved out of, you know, we were a very small team. You know, there were, there were four of us, you know, three developers and 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 Mark keeping the lights on for us. Mm. And we knew we were going to have a small team. We weren't going to have a lot of resources. And so we, we needed to kind of constrain ourselves and, and also find a foundation from which there's a common experience we liked. And side-scrolling games, you know, with sort of... Uh, kind of a good starting point, and wanting to build kind of a simple foundation. But then we wanted to to implement, really implement well on that, and, mm-hmm. and really where we can have a high bar. So it, it is, you know, foundationally a very, um, just a nice, you know, kind of pure, simple arcade game with, with you know. Mm-hmm. But, we, but we just wanted it to be, you know, bringing in the cover camera, bringing in the 3D nature, and then bringing in the personality and the voice was sort of our way of... Sort of being able to scale up on something very, um, again, sort of playing to our strengths and, mm-hmm. and um,
5: a few other things uh, about the game. Um, so the levels are put together using sort of procedural systems. So um, rooms get stitched together in different orders. Enemies are in different places. Stuff that you find.
1: So it's different every time you play. So we mm-hmm. try to make it endless sort of replay. How long is this game? Endless. That's right. what you say at the bullet point. The
5: <laughs>
0: Let's see you finish this game. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so uh, Platinum this, Colin. <laughs> what else?
5: Um, there is... Uh, so um, the weapons in the game. So you collect blueprints in the game that you complete to unlock um, new weapons. And some of the weapons... Uh, you've got your kind of traditional like the diplomatic pistol which is the silencer. Um, but then you've got a bunch of more crazier weapons you can unlock later. Like one of my favorites is the, the dart persuader where mm-hmm. if you shoot a soldier with that, he'll kind of and turn around and <laughs> go berserk and just go and berserk, attacking his, his allies. They'll start shooting him, so you can create little firefights. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so again, I think just trying to have fun with it and trying to make sure I feel like the, the, the core gameplay sort of matches the irreverent tone of mm-hmm. the world as sure. well.
3: Awesome. Yeah, a few of the things that, you know, gameplay-wise stood out to me when I sat down with you guys to play was, you know, one of the things I really like to do, even though I, I messed it up once, was you can <laughs> shake down the officers that you meet, um, and uh, I actually only shot one of them, but if you just yeah. aim at the officers, they'll actually surrender, and this lowers your DEFCON score. Um, de- like the DEF CON uh, threat, level. threat level basically yeah. indicates like how tense things are and you can yeah. lower it by, by making officers surrender to you, nice. which is kind of cool. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the gunplay was really fluid. It's a, it's, a, it's a fun game and I, I think I think people are going to enjoy it. Um, I'm really looking forward especially to play it on Vita. Um, I played it on PS4 at, at the studio. Um,
1: System's got no legs. Vita's a future. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh,
3: so, uh, yeah, so uh, Dynamite is Counterspy. Uh, should be out now by the time people are are listening Mm -hmm. uh, to it Vita, PS3, PS4 buy one get them all uh, cross play cross save Um, and there's those iOS and Android I guess uh, Mm -hmm. type games or whatever not Mm -hmm. not quite the same not quite different if you want to play those as well um and that would be pretty cool. And then I'm gonna go see you guys in a few weeks, and we'll talk again, and That'd be great. and uh, and we'll do something a little meatier, deeper dive on, on the yeah. studio, because this is a this is an interesting studio. We usually people usually like my history pieces, yeah, about Sucker Punch, or, which I'm working on now, or Naughty Dog, or Santa Monica, or San Diego Bend. Um, but I want to do this studio about a, a story about a new studio and how they found each other, because I think that's the more You're interesting. You're doing the story. Pre-history. Yes, the yeah. history before the history. Right, right, right. Episode
1: one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, give me a beyond before you go.
2: Beyond. Beyond. Beyond Oh wow, that actually did add a lot. That was really interesting.
1: Did it look like I was done writing down the number? <laughs> did it look like I wanted you to start talking yet? You just don't even remember how the show works, do you? You're a piece of work, Garfab. I started having a stroke there. <laughs> yeah. what your, a- your nose is bleeding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can't jump around times it's like a- this. The, <laughs> the coward spy thing is in there and then it just we keep this part of the show for no reason afterwards.
1: <laughs> or oh, keeping this. This is the rest of the thing here now.
2: If you were to stroke, I feel like we would probably not edit that. I would, I would demand it, say, in the show. You're from the right hospital bed If like anything I,
1: bad ever happens to me on Podcast Beyond, I demand that it is left into the show.
2: But if you, if you have a stroke, let's say you die of a stroke right now. Yeah. We're not going to go back and edit your death into, you the, into Think the, of the video views. segment. Think of the downloads. Oh, that's, true. that's true. you got to share the it.
1: They'd be grieving. Yeah. You'd have a somber section before it telling everybody, like, this is a graphic episode. We lost Greg we're, yeah. we're going to let you listen as it happens. <laughs> and then it's like, I go down. Right. And then it's like the six hours of this just running while you guys are dealing with, it. And then you come back like, Oh God, it's been recording the whole time. And We're still <laughs> editing.
2: The people are screaming cause you're on the, de- on the ground dead and we have to edit each curse out like one by one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my death's so funny. Colin. Yeah. Jack writes in with a question. I think you can answer. He says, "Beyond, Beyond. Beyond. Hey, Greg, Colin, we have a rotating third chair. My question is for Colin. I'm about to fly from Melbourne, Australia to Hawaii for a holiday, and I need something to play on my Vita for the 10-hour plane ride there and back. I'm tossing up. I guess that's a phrase in Australia. (laughs) I'm tossing up between PS1 classics, Wild Arms and Vagrant Story. Which
3: one would you recommend? Both games are great. great. Wild Arms is one of the best games of all time. So I would go with Wild Arms. There you go. Spelunky. (laughs) Persona, I don't know. Why? Why Wild Arms over Vagrant Story? Wild Arms is an exceptional... Story driven, emotional JRPG. I think that the only reason that people don't appreciate it the way they should is because
2: uh, it came out six months before Final Fantasy VII, so it was yep. it was buried. It's uh, also it's like one of those weird things where that's I think Wild Arms is probably as strong as that Golden Age SNES JRPG era, but it's not included in it obviously because it's on PS1. But I think, um, man, that game is probably pretty up there with Chrono Trigger and you know a lot of the, the kind of Final Fantasy VI and all the mm-hmm. greats that people talk about.
3: Absolutely, it's an exceptional game. Vagrant yeah. Story is great, but uh, yeah. Wild Arms is, is one of the greats.
2: All right, Colin last
1: week we had a rushed podcast beyond then we went to Sony and played a bunch of games hmm. that they had talked about and shown at the gamescom thing we have a question here from Thomas about one of them Beyond. 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 To Greg Collin, whoever else is in the rotating third chair, I recently watched some of the Until Dawn gameplay IG and put up, and it looks great. I was wondering, though, if the game changes based on the player. In the beginning of the game, it had the player take a survey about themselves, asking questions as, is horror all about gore or suspense? Do you guys think these questions will impact the game greatly, or just a few choice scripted scenes? Thanks, Thomas. I'm in love with Until Dawn. First off, I, yeah. we, I it's one of those things. I we played it forever ago, the two years ago with the move, and we're like, I was yeah, like, whatever. Time. This yeah. is, that was
2: Gamescom 2012. Mm-hmm.
1: This seems like it's going to be stupid, um, and not dumb, but just not great, right? This one, after playing it, I didn't. I have. I still haven't played PT, the playable teaser for Kojima's game, right? Because I, it was like, oh, I played a horror game. And this was great, and then I came home and then I'm like, there's another horror game. I'm like, wow, this isn't something I need to be playing every day. Uh, <laughs> I, I think. I mean, the, the, the whole point of the game is player choice in having things change and in the game it's like you know you choose if you go one way or the other then a little butterfly icon pops up letting you know that you've made a major choice and now the game is going to branch a different way
2: and Marty was talking on GamesCube about how like everyone can live everyone can die like they're they're like this very wide set of circumstances sure it's a horror
1: movie with like the the choices and like all the awesome endings of Heavy Rain except there's gonna be way more right and and I don't know how I don't even know how you're gonna go back to replay it because Heavy Rain of course had like one main section Mm -hmm. that broke apart that
3: then that's how you got all the endings and there was like 34 of those Endings, that was really complicated to do it. I did it. I got a platinum in that game. But, so did I. But it was you had. But you had to start from a certain point, and then you could never go be- behind that point ever again. Sure. You had to do it in, in in order. Right. So it was it was obnoxious. Yeah.
1: Um. So I don't know. This one's gonna be worse. I'm sure it's gonna be crazy but yeah. and then we'll back see. to this question though about like the survey i didn't ask the woman who was giving the demos there about that specific thing i imagine it does if it's how it's going to tailor the experience if it's about suspense or if it's about gore because i said suspense because i don't think i like the grindhousey movies nowadays like the you know basically torture porn don't do anything for me i went that way and that had people popping up in my face trying to scare me and different things and it wasn't at any point somebody's guts falling out now granted is it we had one taylor demo so who knows in the end how it is but honestly why they're asking these questions if it's not going to matter yeah
3: we'll
1: see excited about it colin i got a worst playstation network name of the week for you you awesome. ready this one comes from charles wit jason charles wit he writes in it says beyond, beyond. yeah Greg Collin and the chair of Perpetual Motion. In college, I was a member of many organizations that allowed me to have a lot of fun in college. As a junior at San Diego State University, me and a few of my friends decided it was time to bring back the all-male R&B group and perform on our campus. We called ourselves Hot Fudge Sunday. <laughs> and, and we all had ice cream-themed nicknames. Me as Caramel Drop, Caramel Drop, whatever your preference is. And my friends as DJ Spoons, Two Scoops, and Mr. Cream. We were good. Damn good. Around this time, I purchased my first Sony console, the PlayStation 3, and created my PlayStation name, not knowing that it would be forever. My PSN name is the name of our first single... One, and they're one and the same the chocolate drizz <laughs> the chocolate that the chocolate drizz our song was in the or in the tro- t- chocolate drizz but I reached the limit of <laughs> he's characters he's, he's spelling it the I'm t-h-a sorry. the chocolate drizzle Duh. but I reached the limit on characters nah. and hopefully not forever would be the chocolate drizz no one accepts friend requests from the Chocolate Drizz, and the Drizz is often mistaken for, you guessed it, Jizz. <laughs> <laughs> the one redeeming quality about this name is when I play Call of Duty, and you hear gamers asking who killed them, and it says the Chocolate Drizz, and I reply the Drizzle never dies. <laughs> Which is, in fact, the name of our one and only album. Keep up the good work. I love the show. That's a pretty awesome name. Yep. It's not even a terrible name. Yep. people, you, you, people don't think about it. They take it for granted that they got. They Shoo hey, know. let us
3: change our names. It continues. Let us change our name. Isn't Scott? Chocolate I think Drips.
2: Scott is still stuck with an IGN name, even though he's not here anymore. let well, Yeah, I mean that's yeah. how it
3: works. I mean, I have an IGN name. I don't. I don't mind yeah. that at all. I mean, yeah. i but always... you still
1: work
2: here.
3: Yeah, no, but yeah. I mean, even if I were to leave in the future and still have yeah. that name, that's fine. That doesn't yeah. bother me. It's just people need to
2: have the option to to change their names. Yeah, for and God's sake. Yep. When Shuhei changes his last name to PlayStation, he'll understand how important mm-hmm. it is. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
1: This has been another episode of Podcast Beyond. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Remember, Podcast Beyond is the Internet's number one PlayStation podcast. It posts every Tuesday as an MP3 on IGN.com and your favorite podcast service of choice. Then, each and every Wednesday, we put up the video on IGN.com, YouTube.com, IGN, and the IGN PlayStation 4 app. It's totally free, Colin. You'd be stupid not to download it.
2: You would would face- your faces are on there. Yeah, Whenever I turn on my PS4, I'm like, hey, I know them. Look at these idiots. I just kiss my screen and just... Oh, Gingerly struck the TV.
1: Uh, remember, of course, ign.com keeps the lights on. Go there, read the articles, watch the videos, sign up for Prime, uh, do some stuff with the wikis. Yeah, we got the wikis there. Jared, of course, wanted to yeah. s- come in and thank you for all the support you guys had given him.
2: Edit that Battleborn wiki. Good job.
1: <laughs> I, like, I like, I love the grin after you say it. Like you slid it in. <laughs> and pre-order now.
2: Ah, you son
1: of a b. Ah, uh, keep up with us all on Twitter. IGN is IGN. I'm Game Over Greggy. Colin is No Taxation. Andrew Goldfarb is Garfep. Wow! Nailed it. But I've been practicing in the mirror. Oh, we it's can't say even you're say you're what it stands for anymore. That's sad. Greg always regrets fudging elderly people. <laughs> the chocolate <drips. laughs> The
2: Chocolate <drips. laughs>
1: Uh Every episode of podcast beyond ends in a song in a segment we call Ryan's wrap up. This one is from Eco. That's how you pronounce that, right? Ico I k o. It's Team Iko, Iko the team Rain Iko. Man. Ico the Rain Man. I'm just. I'm just. I don't know. I don't know. You want, So Eco you... is I c o. Okay. So Iko. Ico the Rain Man. This song I sent you is called Beyond 5000. I came across it when I ran into a hyper-dimensional time vortex on the way home a few weeks ago. Oh. It seems to be a message from the future, and apparently future episodes of Podcast Beyond are not PlayStation-focused, but instead a podcast where you guys only play rap songs about video games. I wrote and recorded this hip-hop song dedicated to the greatest podcast that ever traveled through time. This song is for my Beyond family and all the amazing things you guys do for us. If you like my music, follow me on Twitter at iko the rain man all one word easy and subscribe to my youtube channel youtube.com op5 TV or search Iko the rain man on iTunes and yeah there's a million ways to
2: get people these days yeah, remember when you just had a phone number and that was it yeah that was the worst I just have all my friend's phone numbers memorized yeah mm-hmm. like now if I if you left me somewhere to my cell phone I would just die
1: yeah exactly I see. you can I can still remember yeah. my best friend's number from back home but I can't yeah.
2: tell you anybodys cell phone now yep I don't know I don't even know my dad's cell phone number anyways
1: Iko the rain man says I hope you guys <laughs> like it beyond ladies and gentlemen this is a song all about podcast Beyond video games and curses that I had to cut out. So here it is Beyond <laughs> 5000 from Michael the Rain Man.
3: Beyond. Beyond. Beyond a lot of people tell us over the years we've been doing Podcast Beyond yeah. for a long time, right? Yeah. And they tell us, up? you know, Podcast Beyond really I helps me on my that? commute or Podcast Beyond really helps me get through a bad time or Podcast yeah. Beyond, you know, helped me when someone died or when someone, you know, divorces, all these crazy things. We get all these crazy emails about like real, real life stuff about our yeah. silly, stupid <laughs> podcast, the
0: podcast. Beyond. Cause I'm
4: PlayStation. Vibe with the nerds. I got my headphones on and I've been grinding in persona for that platinum. Greatness awaits. That's the oath to my anthem. Them. With a place that awaits with ideas I can fathom, these games all come out. I go home, I'm a phantom, I'm a nerd. Go ahead and flip the verb. Show you hip hop can be more than just curse words. The Miyamoto will rap of a mall rap. With Mr. Agent Bizzle sipping yak going, bleh, bleh. I can't rap. <laughs> Cause I'm Dirt White, I'm Duke Nukem. So forever, I'm all hype with a 5.5. Yo, my shit was all right. I'm Nightwing taking over for Batman. I'm 5 00 General with the game plan. <sighs> Mr. Ico, please, Mr. Ice go. watch your finishes. MC's off, bitch, and I fall. Click, clap, boom, and then I smite you. The detectives, when you said the beat was murdered by a white dude. I'm John Blake. the dark night will rise again. The song's a resume, a love letter to IGN. Twilight within the Twilight Zone. I only freestyle for free on a long ride home. <laughs> yeah, come on. So, okay, go ahead and switch my wordplay. Married to this game, a girlfriend, I don't need a. The philosophies of Mr. Garfeb and his leader. Bumping OP5, I'm leaning back and smoking reefer that you wanted in Street Fighter 4 or that FIFA. Either way, I'll guarantee that I'll defeat ya. The Blue Bomber, I'm the bomb the way I bombed the jam. But legally, I couldn't go and change my name to Bomberman. But if I die today, they will have to bring me back with holograms. I got the Mega Man cannon on my left arm, yelling in the Sony meeting, bring back Penapon. God damn it. I, I think I said don't Pat. Me you messed up, bro. I think I said Pat-a-Palm. You know what time it is, right? <laughs> Pull the Clements here. Really? Uh, um, Can could, could we could we go back? I It's supposed to be with an M and then not an N. The way my watch is set up, you kind of running out of time, bro. So I don't know. Greatness awaits, but that's my fate. There's no escape, there's no debate within that answer. You can't kill me like Greg on his cancer. Unless you throw me in that boat that powerhouse dies in. I'll be at home jacking off playing Skyrim. Tell me if you find a... Geek who's hey, my girlfriend called and she wants to go out, out but I just want to stay in all day. The greatest game of all time, DC Universe, and gotta play itself, baby. On. Yeah. So with the seat up, go ahead and get your feet up. Making no beats with sound shapes on my feet, uh, oh. I'm the master of the I'm the master of disaster. Mr. Red Enigmas are just riddles with these rappers. Smashing up a hurricane, go ahead and check my stats first. Level 99, dog, I'm a paladin, a verbal architect, and you don't really want to battle him. I don't rap- I unravel in this mantle, let me pick up all these rappers like a Mega Man and Anakin I'm playing street fighter with the Pope of At the Vatican But I'm here to party, argue with Moriarty We sipping on Bacardi, the show was getting gnarly But I'm part of a squad, that's beyond any army I'm a nerd <laughs> Beyond! 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 beyond.
0: i I got my on. Users lose all sense of reality and enter another world. Remember, do not underestimate the power of PlayStation.